You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Marvel's Eternals. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, she is someone that you know from the Legendary Forces podcast. She has also been on to talk about Arrow, and you see her on the ESO network all the time talking about movies. And that is Ashley. How are you doing, Ashley? Good. Thanks to be back. Uh, thanks for having me back. It's always fun to talk about movies with fellow geeks. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's always great to have you on too. So, you know, keeping in mind that, you know, this, this isn't legendary forces. How have you been since the last time that you were on the show, this show? Oh gosh. I feel like the last time I was on the 42 cast, my life looked a lot different. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I, my husband and I adopted a baby girl. And so she is seven and a half months old now. And so we're just having so much fun Aww. with her and already getting her into the geeky fun. She was princess mm-hmm. Leia for Halloween. And I have many group cosplays planned for her in the future. So excited for all the fun in store. <laughs> Hopefully she likes geek stuff and particularly star wars otherwise it'll be awkward going <laughs> forward but <laughs> you raise them that way don't worry about that's it. that's right raise them up right exactly <laughs> yeah no it's it's been it's been adorable watching all the stuff that you post so yeah no that's that's awesome but uh yeah and of course i mean i don't know that we've ever talked about it on the 42 cast but of course we do have legendary forces also which is you know the show where we're talking about star wars um, and, and, and all star like going back to the beginning and talking about star Wars, even the holiday special. Yeah. Especially the holiday special. <laughs> I thought I knew a lot about star Wars, but I am uncovering things in corners of that universe. Even I didn't know about. So it's been a really fascinating journey so far. Yeah. I mean like the newspaper strips that I had never even known about, but then when I started researching like all the different expanded media, I was like, Oh my God, there were newspaper strips and going back and reading that stuff. And you know, all of that, you know, it's like, it's really fascinating just sort of seeing like, what did people think when they only had the original movie to go on? Like, and what did they, they spin off from just that, you know, and so it's it's kind of neat going back and looking at all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I do think it's funny that we kind of broke Juliet with the holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of have a love for the holiday special. I mean, it's terrible, but it's also kind of endearing. So <laughs> I'm like probably one of three people who feels that way on this planet. But Beatrice Arthur, come on. Yeah, there, oh, see, see. <laughs> B. Arthur is the one kind of shining thing, along with Harvey Corman. And Boba Fett. And the first so appearance right. of Boba Fett. That's right. Yep. We at least exactly. got him out Very of true. it. That is true. Yep. Yeah. Although nobody knew who the hell he was. <laughs> that cartoon was so weird anyway. It's just like, <laughs> oh, you figured out who I am. I'm just going to go. You know, it's just like, what? <laughs> Peace. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's good to have you back on the show, Ashley. Thank you. 
You're welcome. And next up, you know him as the guy that absolutely loves comics, and he tells you that all the time with both his webcomic and podcast, and that is my buddy Eric. How are you doing, Eric? Hello, sir. I exist, though. <laughs> I gotta catch I gotta catch up on a on a whole bunch of pop culture stuff lately. Uh mm. you know, having just watched Eternals, Ghostbusters just came out. I'm about seven episodes behind on Stargirl, six on Doom Patrol. Uh <laughs> I gotta catch up on like everything. I know Flash just premiered, so I'm a little behind on everything. <laughs> well it happens. You know, life happens. So, uh, so, yeah, but I mean, anything, I mean, oh, so, so you're behind on everything. Is that because you're doing exciting stuff elsewhere? Um, I have until I got to start scripting stuff for January. Uh, mm. And this week's strip is I'm just waiting on colors to get back to me uh, in, in the middle of a two part, two part arc of, uh, of the strip. Sorry, no, he's attacking my arm in the background. Yeah, I was about um, to say for people, since you'll be hearing this on a podcast, he is playing with his cat while talking. So <laughs> I didn't want her. I didn't want her knocking anything over, so I had to keep her in the room with me. Hmm. Um, but no, uh, it's the middle of a two-part arc, though. So this will probably release what some point in the next couple couple weeks. Yeah, so we'll be right in the middle of the Christmas stuff, which uh, which may or may not involve. Um, involve a certain um halloween type uh character i i plead the fifth <laughs> people okay. will have to check out new comic type to uh to uh to know a certain uh halloween slash christmas obsessed uh character and uh what else that could possibly uh lead into when it comes to new comic day and knowing knowing comic book eric you can only you can only uh guess what else is going on in that whole situation <laughs> I'm very excited to see Scott Scott take on a take on a certain uh, holiday classic though with his uh, with his type of art, and then hopefully we will have Chris back in the new year because he's dealing with a uh, dealing with some personal stuff. So Scott's mm. fully on art for these last three or four months of the year, and then like I said, just had to script through uh, through January. But um, oh, and then. While of Comics will hopefully be back on track within the next week or two, but I did just a couple weeks ago uh, via the uh, Muppet Haunted Mansion, um, I had uh, uh, the director of it, who also was the writer of Muppet Treasure Island back in the 90s and Muppets Tonight and a whole bunch of other stuff, but uh, had a great conversation with Kirk. He's, he's such a cool dude, and I mean, that's the Muppet stuff I grew up on, so it was like getting to nerd out on another one of those, you know, Another one of those childhood heroes where you get to be like, yep, thank you for creating the stuff that I literally grew up on. And he was like one of the last guys Jim Henson hired. So it was kind of cool to hear his experience experiences working with the Muppets. So if people want to check that one out, it's definitely in the wild of comics feed. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Like, yeah, I guess I'll announce this here, too, because I'm actually like kind of caught up now, even though I still have a few older episodes that need to air. Sorry, Lee. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, I, I have an interview coming up with um, Larry Houston and Eric and uh, Julia Leewald talking about X-Men 97, which has Ooh, just uh, been announced. Awesome. So, uh, you know, that's that's going to be really exciting for me, because even though I've talked to them before, that was when x-men the animated series was in the past 
you know, and we were just kind of talking about, <laughs> you know, their careers in general, how they got involved in the industry and then talking about X-Men primarily. And now it's like, oh, now X-Men is back. So let's talk with you guys again. So um, that's, that's, you know, that's really exciting and coming up here. So yeah, no, it's, it's really great when you can talk to creators that like made things that you've, that you've loved. So I totally get that. But, uh, but yeah, it's good to have you back on the show, Eric. Always good to be here. All right. And next up, uh, you knew her as the track director of the X track at Dragon Con, but she is back at the 42 cast as a, as a, um, individual contributor, I guess. (laughs) And that is Lee. How are you doing, Lee? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, yeah, I'm a civilian now. Uh, but yeah, I will be back at Dragon Con. I'm not leaving it. Um, I will be attending. I can't wait. But yeah, I'm still with the Unique Geek and the 50 Days of Dragon Con podcast. But yeah, I'm just regular. And I'm a real, uh, I went into this with, I have no, very limited comic book knowledge. Unless you're talking X-Files comics from Tops, I have almost no uh, comic knowledge. So it was very interesting seeing Eternals as the uh, no idea what the heck I was walking into. Because I really did try to all right well i'll tell so, yeah. i'll tell you even for people mm-hmm. who've read a lot of marvel comics a lot of them uh-huh. are not like very up on the eternals because eternals they're a very is, yeah. niche set of characters yes. in, in the marvel you know like pantheon so yeah other people have said that as well um and that's kind of interesting and it's so funny because like i've now read matt fraction's hawkeye because people pushed it for me um i have I do read Bitch Planet and some other things like that, but uh, some more niche things, as it were. But yeah, this this was very interesting. And it's weird to go in a comic book movie knowing absolutely nothing. Yeah, but I mean, so, that yeah. that I think is interesting also because, believe me, they changed a lot. So... Uh, oh, I can't wait to hear what oh, they changed. Right, so, so, so oh, we'll, yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, so in some ways, coming in clean... You know, with no mm-hmm. preconceptions is actually, I think, better in some. In it some might aspects. have been better for this one. Yeah. Good to know. All good right. But, uh, but yeah, Lee, it's good to have you back on the show. Great to be back. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, finally, rounding out our cast, he's one of the newest uh, contributors to the 42 cast. Uh, he's been on talking about Superman and Lois. And that is my friend, Thomas. How are you doing, Thomas? Pretty good. The semester's almost over. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Thanksgiving break is days away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the nice thing about this time of year is even when you've got, you know, like school stuff going on, you get some breaks. So, uh, yeah. Um, But uh, but yeah. So uh, anything new and exciting going on for you or is it just trying to get through the semester? Uh, the semester, I executive produced a student film, a uh, science fiction <laughs> comedy called Troped. Uh, it's a time loop, except for the uh, the um, the twist is he's time looping because of romantic comedy tropes. So when he starts to conform to the trope, it resets. So he's got to figure out how to not conform to the trope. So it's a lot of fun. And they're in post-production, but uh, the kids are great. And I ended up in it. <laughs> playing a small role i played a college professor typecast <laughs> there you go but no it was a lot of fun and uh the sketch comedy uh show that i faculty advised had their their fall performance on monday and uh the band was an all uh all sophomore 
female group, which is a lot of fun. So <laughs> they friended me on Instagram. So I, I texted them back. Okay. If I were your manager, here's my set list. And it's all the great eighties, nineties girl, girl groups. And I saw one of them today. It's like, we love your set list. We're, we're actually working on some of the songs. And I told them, if you need a Ruben Kincaid. And she's like, I got that reference. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> nice. Oh, I feel really old. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Nick at night. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for it. Thank God. Yeah. So, so I've seen you <laughs> post some pictures of you in like a Once Upon a Time Captain Hook costume. Yes, I also. am um, the uh, a friend of mine. The theater arts chair directed a, an awesome version of Peter and the Starcatcher, and several of my students were in it. They, it was phenomenal. And the set was just amazing. And I'm like, I must come back and take pictures on this set. Mm. So uh, closing day, I texted him in the morning. It's like, hey, unusual request. I have a Captain Hook costume from Once Upon a Time. Not actually screen used, but just Mm. patterned after the one on the show. And he's like, can I do a photo shoot? And he's like, you have from 1230 to 1. Get in, get out. (laughs) I got there at like 12. Well, I got there about 1235, got in costume about 1240. Uh, one of my former students, current student, current theater student, but it's like, who knows how to use an iPhone well? And she volunteered. So she took a series of pictures and I posted the best ones on Facebook. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's been weird because second year in a row, I haven't been able to do any charity work here. Mm. Because in LA, pre-pandemic, I, uh, I did uh, Halloween parade at city of hope hospital with students and other super friends and then uh, i think a christmas event for shriners and then once the pandemic hit boom nothing so um yeah it's weird although i did loan some of my costumes out to students for halloween parties and whatnot so oh well i mean hopefully yeah i mean you'll get more you know, get more of that done as things go on. But also, though, it's cool that you got to get that photo shoot. Because, yeah, I thought that that was like some production that, no, you no. know, you were involved in with that costume. I see. Oh, this target of opportunity. <laughs> Very nice. And, and the costume had literally been in my office since I moved to Florida, August of 20. So it was mm. hanging in my closet in my office. So I finally have it hanging in my closet at home. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, 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 uh, We've got costumes everywhere here, but that's because my wife creates costumes. So it's like, it's like whole closet is just like completely. Like, in fact, the closet behind me, it's like almost <laughs> unusable because it's costumes. So, um, but anyway, uh, it's good to have you back on the show, Thomas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, so, yeah, normally our five minute controversy would go here, but with four people talking about this movie, uh, I think time wise, we don't really have room for one. Uh, so we're going to skip the five minute controversy, but we will pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we'll come back to talk about Eternals. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I would say that E3 maybe isn't the event that it once was, but everybody still plans their event around the E3 schedule. Steven Spielberg could throw out a gum commercial and we'd all watch it because it's Steven Spielberg. Dragon Age 4 is carrying, I think, the future of Bioware on its shoulders. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network.
And we're back. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about Marvel's Eternals. And so uh, Lee kind of got to start it off talking about how she has no uh, you know, knowledge of Eternals, but just kind of curious um you know about everybody uh, else on the podcast uh you know like if you have any background at all with any of the characters so uh let's start with you ashley yeah so i'm pretty much in the same boat as you lee i knew absolutely nothing about eternals and that was kind of what excited me about it initially i remember back when marvel announced its lineup of phase four movies and eternals was actually the one i was most looking forward to simply because i didn't have any background with it i've been a fan of the mcu for a long time and there's been a lot of great movies but i found towards the end of phase three not in a burned out i feel like it's too strong of a word but it felt like a few of the movies were getting maybe a little samey so it's like okay i think it's time to shake things up stir the pot a little bit and i was so thrilled with phase four announcing some really intriguing pro uh projects really diving into some less explored corners of the MCU. So I'm really excited to see them expanding that universe, introducing general audiences to some cosmic, mind-bending, time-traveling, multiverse, all that kind of stuff. So I'm very excited to see the MCU delve into this, even though I'm not very familiar with the comics themselves that it draws from. It makes me want to learn more about them. All right, Thomas. Oi, I really dug. I have dug much of Phase Four. I've dug the TV shows. WandaVision being for me the crowning achievement so far. Um, Finally, someone else agrees with me. <laughs> I, I thought that as, as somebody who teaches television history and television appreciation, I, it, it hit my sweet spot. Mm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I have issues with how it was structured, but you know, I like the concept. I thought that they, for me, I thought it was, there was too much story would have benefited from a narrower focus. Loki, I loved. Um, and uh, what if I have a soft spot for because I have the, the, the run of the original what if comic book. I oh and I lo- I love Black Widow I love 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 Shang Chi and Aquafina and uh, and oh Michelle Yeoh or as I call her Michelle Yo 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 and Simo Liu was new oh, to me. We just and- call her Emperor Giorgio here or Empress <laughs> Giorgio here. <laughs> Simo Liu was new to me and you know I'm an instant fan and Tony Leung I mean just dude's yeah. a legend. I was vastly disappointed with Eternals. I just thought, okay, it, you're I, skipping ahead a little though. I said, what is your background with the? Oh, like, my you read the comics, yeah, so, like you know no, them. I read the original version of the Eternals when it was called New Gods before Kirby, <laughs> <laughs> before Kirby got upset with you know before he and DC had their whatever and he went back to Marvel. So, <laughs> okay, but other than that, I, I'm familiar with some of the characters, but not vastly familiar. So, they're okay. going into it mostly cold. All right. All right. Um, but Eric, yeah, the background with the Eternals. You ready to go deep cuts? Because I'm going deep cuts with this one. Um. <laughs> That's why. Well, see, it was going to be you and Mark. So I was going to be balanced. But Mark, because a bunch of people dropped out of Shang-Chi because I think they thought it was going to be on Disney Plus. Uh, and so they 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 weren't willing to go to the theater. And so like Mark moved from Eternals to Shang-Chi. And so it's like now you're the only guy who's familiar with the with the <laughs> characters. So well, it's one. Of, it's well, not 
not as familiar as you know like i i can't claim to be a jack kirby expert and talk about the original versions of the characters but i mean i grew up on i grew up on the 90s era of a lot of um a lot of especially marvel stuff more so than dc so mm-hmm. i remember a time that uh that dane whitman was wearing his lovely leather jacket and basically had a leather basically had a lightsaber instead of the uh, ebony blade and uh cersei was right there with him and they were basically the biggest members of the avengers who then jumped ship over to malibu to hang out with the ultraverse characters All right, yeah let's not get into that <laughs> no that's what i'm saying that's when i say deep cuts that's what i was mm. talking about deep cuts right and i mean that series only lasted like 13 14 issues but that was that was where my fondness of some of these characters started and mm. then around the time that right after civil war was published uh we all found out hey neil gaiman's coming to marvel oh that's cool what's neil gaiman working on eternals who the hell are the eternals <laughs> and then i read that series and john ramita's artwork sadly at the time was starting to starting to weaken i feel like his artwork definitely goes especially in the late 90s is probably when his artwork was the strongest but it was john ramita jr and neil gaiman kind of relaunch soft relaunching the eternals for a modern generation of readers back in 2007 2006 2007 so it was post-civil war you have cersei a uh, nod for like you have iron man and and the pims uh jumping into the series every once in a while it was seven issues uh, and then it got turned into an ongoing that lasted 12 issues but it was uh it was that that seven issue miniseries they pull a lot from for this movie mm-hmm. and then they actually pull all the celestials lore uh for the most part they pulled that from jim krueger and alex ross's amazing earth x series um which is a fantastic maxi series because it was a year it was a 12 issue series but they pull all the celestial lore and Tom Taylor has actually been using a bit of that celestial lore, even the same celestial in his. I got my stack of weekly comics. Um, I'm just gonna a nice visual for an audio podcast. I know, <laughs> but he's doing this series called Dark Ages right now, which had the celestial coming to coming basically to be born in the middle of the Earth's core, and things go sideways real quick. Um, so it's kind of cool to to see that kind of played with in the movie. So, I mean, there's a lot of more recent stuff over the last 20, 20, 25 years that's being played with more so than, you know, like the straight up Jack Kirby stuff, which we see more of his art style and stuff like Thor Ragnarok more so than than say here, though, obviously the the costumes are much more Jack Kirby than than say modern stuff but like i guess that's that's my overall history i haven't been reading this current series because they're on like issue seven or eight at this point but they do have a new eternal series being published as well as a new shang chi series being published at marvel currently so they're trying to stay on top of uh trying to stay on top of all these launches as much as they can yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, yeah, so like I'm I'm the I'm the elderly gentleman here balancing on my cane. because uh, even though I didn't really read the Jack Kirby stuff, like, you know, I, I was reading about the Eternals because they would 
be in Avengers, like uh, Eric was saying, they'd be in the Fantastic Four. There was always, you know, that interaction. And so because of that, like I did with everything, I always tried to like research back as I was reading Marvel to figure out who all these characters were because I got in in the 90s. And so it's like there's 30 years of stuff that I don't know about. So I try to get as much information as I could. So like the idea of the Eternals from the comics, or at least before whatever newer versions are out there, was that basically the Celestials came to Earth a million years ago and took, you know, like proto humans and basically hyper evolved them. And and half of them were deviants and half of them were Eternals. And this whole thing about deviants just being like animals and stuff was kind of like not it. They were more just like basically twisted, you know, powered individuals. Um, and so there was this there's all this fighting between them over the centuries and some Eternals went into space and all of this. But this whole idea of them being like the ones that help Celestials birth from planets, then none of that was part of it. In fact, the Celestials were always presented more as like cosmic scientists that would just do experiments throughout the universe. And so this idea that they're part of some sort of like uh, natural like thing of they help birth new stars that give rise to planets that then birth celestials that, you know, and that sort of cycle the sort of ecological cycle, that's a completely new thing because that was not part of like the sort of celestial. The idea was that celestials were the first intelligent race to evolve in the universe after the universe was created. And that's why they're more powerful than everyone else is they've just evolved more than everybody else. And then they've just been experimenting and doing weird stuff throughout the universe which gives rise to certain things that then sometimes humans have to fight or in the case of the Eternals, they're basically an experiment that's been left behind and all that. Now I get that that version, I kind of get what they did with this movie because that version doesn't give you like an endpoint to a story because it's just like, we're a leftover experiment, you know, whereas this kind of gives them like an endpoint for the movie, a thing to like have as the, you know, sort of struggle of the movie. So I kind of, I kind of get that, but, but yeah, let's talk more about the movie now. Um, so Thomas, you were starting off and I'm sorry, I had to cut you off there, but I wanted to just get through everybody's sort of background, oh, no problem. just make sure. And I wasn't sure if you had any background really with the Eternals themselves. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like, uh, you were saying about the movie, like, well, how do you, how do you feel about the movie as a whole? I'm disappointed. I'm one of those people who's with the, you know, with the critics who did, it's not fresh on Rotten Tomatoes in my book i actually i went to the uh first screening first imax screening in west palm beach and several of my students were there too and uh, many of them were even less enthused than i was i just thought the script was a mess it, it would have benefited from stronger kruger's a screenwriter he's a friend of mine i'm like you should have hired him to write it or at least do a pass of the script especially if you're going to draw on things he's written but i just thought there were t- they didn't need all 10. They didn't need 10 characters because you can't really balance 10 characters in one movie. I am so over the evil Superman trope and to actually to appropriate and, and Chloe Zhao actually credit said, I, you know, Zack Snyder inspired me. And it was obvious from anybody who'd seen, you know, Snyder's Snyder's Justice League trilogy and what she did with Icarus that she was, you know, appropriating some of the imagery that he did. I just thought it was all over the place. And Dane Whitman was poorly used. It's like, dude, he couldn't have been cheap. 
but to just use them at the beginning and the end and then in the middle a little bit. That was the thing that shocked me the most because I thought, you know, because you see him in the commercials. And so I was like, oh, if they're using Dane Whitman, then he's going to be a major character in this movie. And I was really surprised that he now. It's Marvel. So, you know, they have a plan, right? Like, this is just like we're teasing it. They're feeling more confident that they can tease you with something. And then like not like in in one movie and then like later, either in a Disney Plus series or in another movie, it'll pay off. But I, but yeah, I mean, I was really surprised by his. And, and I, I love the cast for the most part. I mean, I thought the cast was strong, but there were too many of them. They didn't not all of them got enough to do. And then some of them were poorly. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a bit of a hot mess. I mean, I don't hate the movie. I don't love the movie. I'm just kind of eh. And my students uh, tend to be more opinionated than me, especially mm-hmm. about this. So they were not happy in assigning grades opening night. And yeah, I, I just thought it was, I, I generally trust Kevin Feige's instincts. And for me, this is the first stumble. And the real clue is Chloe Zhao is credited twice as screenwriter. And I've been a Writers Guild member since the mid 90s. And she's credited as a solo screenwriter. And then she was credited as part of a team. And I've I just finished teaching adaptation lectures to my film app classes, and I'll be teaching my screenwriting class that next week. But the two questions about adaptation, one, do you love the source material? I do think she loves the source material. But the second question is, can you make a play? And that I don't think she did. Because, you know, when Incredible Hulk and Thor, Thor Dark World get better critical and fan reception than this movie, it's like, <laughs> ouch. So. Okay. Anyway. I'm going to stop being Debbie Downer. (laughs) All right. So now I'm really curiously, since this is super duper fresh for you, what did you think of the movie? Oh boy. It's hard to go against a professor, but I actually enjoyed it. Um, But it reminds me back of my college days when there were only, uh, I went to a very small college. And so we did actually disagree with our professors a great deal, but I actually liked the movie. I think, um, there were some things I like. Yes, I did think there were way too many um, Eternals. We didn't get the full story. I wanted more story. I was really worried. I'd get really sick of Angelia, Angelina Jolie. Um, and I didn't. So that's always a good mm-hmm. thing. Um, I was a little worried, but I liked it. I think, you know, there, there were some things that it kind of hit me while I was watching it. Um, there is... You know, they're they're after Thor Ragnarok and Guardians, there was this kind of push towards a lot more humor mm-hmm. in the MCU. And then so there was that. But I do like that the white guy is evil. Sorry. Do like that the white guy is evil. Liked, I mean, that kind of reminded me of the boys, which is that kind of idea of, you know, who you think might be the hero is not the hero. And I liked that. I uh again i think one of the things and my son and i talked about it is this wasn't it's an origin story and yet it just did enough origin for me that i still felt like there's a lot more to go um and i had no idea when y'all were talking about kid harrington and being the dane guy because i actually like had that down there who the hell is he because i could tell he was somebody important and I don't know if we're going to go back to if we can talk about end credits yet, but 
it was a hell of an end credit mm. with him. Um, and so that was really interesting to me. So, cause I knew whose voice that okay. was. Okay. All right. And That's what I was about to ask is if you knew whose voice that was. Immediately. Yes. All right. Yeah, on it. Um, it. Absolutely. Cause that guy is just watch way too many hunger games, made too much of some other movies during the 2020, 2021. Oh dear God in heaven. Let the bad guys lose sometimes. Um, so there was that. I think I did find it interesting that one of the big, I don't know if I can ask a question, but one of the things was like, okay, so this is supposed to be talking about the multiverse. Cause that's what, you know, four is about, and this has nothing to do with the multiverse no. unless I've missed something. No, this all is right, all good. still people taking People are place. shaking their head at me. Yeah, no, this, all good. Yeah, this is all still taking place in the same universe that all the previous Marvel movies have taken place. It's Spider-Man that's going to start tying in with what happened in Loki and, and start talking about yeah. the multiverse. Well, except I was wondering about what if. Oh, well, yeah, what that's if also is the multiverse. Doing yes. the multiverse. So is the Watcher anything to do with celestials anything to do with anything else because i know they've already talked about celestials once and it was kind of a throwaway line but the skull from um guardians of the galaxy mm. is the skull of a the planet is the skull of a celestial so I have no idea, but I was kind of a little so, so yes, about nowhere that. is the head of a dead celestial. It's not really a planet. It's just they've turned that into a space dead, station, right. basically. Um, mm -hmm. that that you know they they have all this commerce in or whatever. So that's what nowhere okay. is. Um, but but yeah, so the watcher is another cosmic. So Marvel has a sort of uh, list of characters that are just defined as cosmic beings. They're beings who are way uh, more powerful than humans, even superhumans. The watcher is part of mm -hmm. that. Uh, sort of pantheon, uh, the Celestials. But the, Celest uh, the Celestials and Watchers are almost unique in that they're a whole race. There are, there's, okay. now, but in the MCU, there's some indications in What If that the Watcher might be the only one in the MCU. And that's where you get into the issue of comics versus uh, yeah. movies well, and, and what they're doing with right. it. But at least in the comics, there's a whole race of Watchers. There's a whole right. race of Celestials. Then there are some individual okay. cosmic beings which are unique, such as Galactus, uh, Eternal infinity and 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 some other so ones then, like that so i the mean living okay <laughs> yeah living tribunal oh, and hold on um eric uh right yeah eric i wanted to ask you a question you can get to it later but so gaiman did wrote for the eternals comics yep were were any of them ever on time i'm just curious that, since that whole series uh, i that whole series I think Did they do it. Yeah, I think it. The, no, I think the first six issues came out in time and then they had to mm. do a seventh issue to kind of tie everything together because he was working mm. with John Romita Jr., who is one of the more one of the faster artists in comic books. So okay. I think Gaiman had a majority of his scripts ready to go and they were because I'm pretty sure at least five out of the seven issues came out monthly. And then that's when they kind of okay. kind of missed a couple beats here and there. That would sound the best way to get Gaiman to do a comic book is get them all at once and then hope for like the last two that might be close to on time. Okay, cool. I love his work. Don't get me <laughs> wrong, but he is not someone who keeps it on time. But yeah, I like the movie. Um, I thought it and Shang-Chi were right about equal. Um, for me, Shang-Chi was a little more of a regular 
superhero origin. But again, the MCU does it well. They don't do it like some other people do. So I was good with it. I liked it. I had fun. Okay. It was worth my seven fifty at a matinee. Okay. All right. Uh, Ashley, what did you think about the movie? Yeah, I think it's been really fascinating to watch the very divided reaction to this movie because <laughs> I, I know I, I posted. I, I don't know if you saw my post, but I posted about how, like, you know, contrary to like my friends list, like I really enjoyed the movie. And then, like, I had two posts right on top, like almost immediately after I posted two replies from somebody saying that they loved it, and they hated it, and I'm like, my friends list in miniature. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud because I feel like that really encapsulates the response I mm. have seen online to this movie and in some ways that excites me even though for me personally Eternals fell flat like I was disappointed in the film and it wasn't quite what I wanted from it but I love these movies like The Last Jedi that promote strong reactions that people can get in and have really good in-depth discussions about it so even though it's not my favorite Marvel movie I'm still glad that I signed up for this podcast I think some of the reasons it didn't work for me is because it had elements of greatness. I thought the cinematography was absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. It was incredible, breathtaking, just beautiful on an IMAX screen. I thought the cast was good. I liked the more somber tone, the weaving in of historical plot lines that you're telling the story that takes place over thousands of years. I thought all that was great, but I felt like where it did suffer was the character's like you had said, Thomas, I think there was simply too many characters trying to be developed too much in too short of a time. I thought like you didn't get enough motivation and nuance and backstory for Icarus, Thena, Angelina Jolie's character. I thought Cersei was probably the strongest emotionally of the bunch. Like we get to connect with her and see her story the most, but I feel like there were so many fascinating characters, but they just ended up feeling a little surface level because we didn't have time to go in depth enough. And I feel like it also suffered a little bit for me following Shang-Chi, which is one of my favorite Marvel movies, actually probably in my top three even. So to go from that. And then interestingly, I thought it was unique that Eternals came out so closely following Dune, which I know is not an MCU movie. So I'm not going to waste too much time talking about that, but I thought Dune and Eternals are both high concept science fiction movies that have a little more somber tone, really pushing the visuals. But at least for me, Dune was way more in depth. I felt like I connected with the characters, the world and the story more. So that is the movie that I find myself thinking about more at least a month later. But all that being said, I do think that I'm interested to see some of these characters again and what they will do with it. I felt like this is just maybe an instance of maybe biting off a little more than they can chew. They it aimed high, but it didn't quite hit that target. I am fascinated by everybody that loves Dune because I'm a huge fan of the Dune series. And like, to me, it's like they stripped all the humanity, both good and bad from all the characters. They're all just cardboard cutouts walking around. So I am fascinated by this, the yeah. movie other people saw, but uh, <laughs> no, and that's kind of with eternal some too. Like I wish that some of the people that are really passionate and excited about it. And so just kind of curious and, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts because I had seen that you didn't like Dune, but you did like Eternal. So I feel like there's a lot of interesting points we can dig into throughout the podcast. Uh, all right. So, Eric, what do you think of the movie? Am, am I allowed to uh, talk about talk about that end scene real fast? 
if I do it real fast? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know which one you're talking. There were several end scenes, but yeah, no, credits or in credits. Yeah, the 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 Dane one. All right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can well, talk about it. I mean, yeah. Because I think uh, obviously, I think coming from coming from the way Lee was talking about it, it sounds like she picked up on the actor more so than who that was supposed to be. Because uh, if you know who the actor has been cast as, that's a pretty good hint to where Dane's going to show up next. And because that was Blade, that that was Blade's voice. Yeah, but is he going to be in the Blade movie, or is Blade going to show up with Dane in another thing first before there's actually a Blade I, movie? That's because I, I. It seems weird to have Dane in a Blade movie. So I don't know. Not we'll, necessarily because we'll they, they were both part of MI13, which I enjoyed tremendously, and Captain Britain. So anything know, in are- comics post 2000, I I just. It's all dead to me. <laughs> and, hey, and hey, Henry Cavill might be Captain Britain, so. Oh, <laughs> Superman might be switching sides. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, yes. But uh, I know. no, so the movie. With the or mo- without and, a mustache. And, and the X-Men were introduced oh, yeah. in Full beard. Division. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> Full beard, but no. Uh, <laughs> um, He's not no, blonde. I... <laughs> Neither is Brian. It'd be weird to bleach his <laughs> hair, but anyway. Well, they probably will make him a brunette. You know, I'll call it, you know. <laughs> anyway, like Barry so, Allen, we've never had a blonde hey, Barry hey, Allen. Hey. I, know, I know. I know. It just mm, niggles at me. I'm like, he doesn't look like Captain Britt. <laughs> Not talking DC. <laughs> but no, um, the mo- I thought I really enjoyed the movie. And I mean, it was interesting to uh, to see where they not where they opened from, but when they've kind of reintroduced Cersei in present day, when I saw her walking up those stairs, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're flat out going with Neil, with the Neil Gaiman stuff. And it seemed like it seemed like they were because they did to a certain extent. But so in the Neil Gaiman run, everybody has amnesia. They forget their lives completely. So they think they're all human. So I thought that's what they were going to play with at first. And then and then they didn't do that, which I which I thought was also interesting. But it was a it's it was kind of interesting to see them go with the we have to get the team back together kind of situation. I thought that was kind of a fun hook and how sadly, obviously, some team members get more spotlight than than others. But I thought I I enjoyed the movie as a whole. I do kind of agree with people about the overall pacing and some of some of those kind of issues. But I think it was such a well-rounded cast uh, and it was interesting to see the bits and pieces that they took from the stories that I've read, like, uh, like the stuff with Sprite, especially at the end of the movie, um, instead of, instead of Icarus, instead of Icarus going full evil Superman, Sprite was behind everything in at least the Neil Gaiman comic. Sprite pretty much messed with the Eternals to the full extent that he, because he, it wasn't it wasn't a girl inside of the comics. That's one of the many interesting things that I think the the, the movies the movie has done better than this because they took they took a cast that was eighty percent Caucasian typical white guys and changed changed the cast into you know like Con- Con- Congo uh, Camille's character. Uh, is obviously Indian descent. You have, you know, you have um, uh, Gilgamesh is Asian and, and, you know, you have three women on the team. You have all these, you have all these different, different characters. It's not straight up, you know, like 
white guy, white guy, white guy, white guy. Right. Oh, and Cersei is Asian, which in the comics, she's a white woman. But, you know, you she's, yeah, yeah they, they've changed. <laughs> yeah, they've changed races and, and things of, of characters, which is all I think. And it makes sense, you know, just from the fact of if they're supposed to be representative of humanity, like, because they're supposed to blend amongst them. It's kind of like, yeah, like, why would you make them all like white? You know, So, yeah. I actually had a question about that though with the I'm I'm really glad you explained that about they weren't all this what they did update it for mm-hmm. uh now, thank goodness. But the other question I had, like, okay, so I get Gilgamesh is the story. I get Fame Cena is Athena, all of that, but like Fastos, were they playing around with Faust as in the great uh, somebody who created stuff and were they druid as druid or was that just i was reading too much Hephaestus is Hephaestus i believe yeah i mean it it gets awkward because in marvel just like there's the norse gods and asgard there is an actual mount olympus with greek gods and so the eternals do kind of double up some of those characters and they kind of tried to reconcile it by saying that for a time the eternals and the olympians had like a thing going like like a a deal going on where the eternals were sort of like the representatives of olympus on earth like after they met each Mm -hmm. other and they realized that we have a lot of similarities between but it's kind of awkward because different comic creators at different times like they introduced an actual like olympian pantheon but then there's also the eternals in parallel in other comics and so somebody came along was like this is this is weird because they can't both you know be the the things that inspired the actual legends of greek gods and so but then they were like Mm -hmm. okay well how can we make it come together and so they sort of did this sort of thing that made kind of works but um but yeah so i mean again it's a different so like the movie is trying to just take characters that were created in the comics that may or may not, and not all characters, not all Eternals do have, you know, uh, like a, like a strong connection to like an actual mythological character also, even though a lot of them do. Um, so like there's a character called mentor in the comics and it's like, well, I mean, (laughs) the word, right. That's not like an actual character of anything. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm sorry. Yeah, Eric, you were you were going. <laughs> Anything else that you had to add? Um, no, it's just like I said, like I think a lot of these changes were made for the better. Like Makari, Makari's a better character. Jurig not being like a like a Russian lame um mustache twirling villain. I thought th- I thought he was great in this. There's just there's so many in for the better. And I always love seeing, you know, those complaints online that, oh, this character isn't like that. And it's like, yeah, that's because the comic version is terrible. <laughs> so it's kind of great to see, you know, like you can go, no, these these were choices made for the better because you look at the you look at the comic and you don't want to see like Putin on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean the only thing that I thought was weird was that if these are artificial, you know, because they're, again, like, change from the comics, they're all artificial beings. They're not, like, actually born or anything. Why would they create a deaf one? You know, that was one of those things that I thought was a little strange if you think about it based on the backstory they gave them. Um, it's good that they say, like, that's inspired a lot of people to want to learn sign language. They said that they've actually been, like, uh, some center for teaching sign language or whatever, saying, like, they've, like, had a 200% increase in, like, people, like, uh, sending in applications or whatever or, or wanting to, to learn sign language. And that's really cool. 
uh, but it just like, kind of seemed weird to me that it's like, why, why would you create one that is missing a sense, you know, because uh, that's is unlike it- the other changes, which are to help them blend in better. You know, you have a representative of various racial, you know, uh, divides and even ages, um, you know, but but yeah, that that I that I thought was a little strange. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, I, I actually really like the movie. And, and here's the thing. It's weird. And I think it needed to be weird, because if you have a bunch of immortal, quote unquote, immortal, because they can be killed, they just don't die naturally. But but immortal beings who have been around for 7000 years and they're going to all act like people from our modern times and, uh, and and, you know, sort of act like, you know, what we would expect, then it, it seems off. Right. And, and it's just like when people do sci-fi stories where the aliens are actually really weird and kind of off-putting. I always like that because it's like, yeah, I mean, they, they shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to connect with them very strongly because they are, you know, uh, uh, beings that have a whole life that we could never even comprehend that we wouldn't be able to empathize with. Um, so I found that to be actually kind of interesting intellectually, um, you know, and sort of like watching, cause I agree. I mean, it is a little, it is a little odd. Um, you know, it's pay, it's pacing is a bit off and I feel like the characters did behave a little oddly, but I kind of liked that. Um, you know, I, I think it's funny that everybody's talking about too many characters. I was like, there's not enough Eternals. There are more than 10. Uh, you know? <laughs> but I get for, for like a main character sort of standpoint is what you're talking about. Um, but but yeah, that was something. But but for really for me, I have I have two. If, if we're going to talk about problems with the movie, I have one actual problem with the movie and one meta problem. So basically, my problem with the movie is... If you're going to introduce the characters in a movie, characters that haven't even been hinted at in the rest of the Marvel stuff, and then tell us a third of the way through the movie, everything we just told you is wrong, and this is like the real story, that's too... No, you can't do that in the same movie. You can't introduce characters and give them a story, and then tell us a third of the way through the movie that that story... And I knew, because I was... And even knowing that they make changes from the comics, that story they gave us, like, this ring's false. Like, this... I, I was expecting there to be uh, them learning that what they thought they knew was wrong kind of movie, just because that that thing of they come from Planet Olympia or whatever, and all that just seemed like... That, that seems too far away from the comics. That's too bogus. And um, so... So yeah, it, it 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 was one of those things where I just felt like this either they should have either set up the Eternals in a separate movie and then did this movie and exposed that actually what we thought we knew was wrong. Or like some people have been suggesting online, this should have been like a Disney Plus series and give us like six to eight episodes where you can have more flashback to like establish each character and give them like a full like grounding and everything. And I think that that would have helped uh, with that. My meta problem is more and when thinking about Marvel as a whole, it's clear listening to the writers giving interviews now that they didn't think through the implications of what they've done. Because like when people ask them things like, well, wait a minute, how does this make sense if they're artificial beings that Eros is the brother of Thanos? Because that's, you know, one of the end credit scenes as they introduce that. And they're like, well, maybe we could explain it this way or maybe we could explain it that way. And I'm like, wait, you don't actually have the explanation? Like, that's a problem. Like, you should already know how, if you're going to, like, do this, like, this should be planned out. And, uh, you know, and so I'm a little a little worried about, you know, stuff like like that. 
and 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 we have another big one that I'm going to talk about in a bit, but I'm going to hold off on it. That I think that they've actually shortchanged their potential for the future by one of the decisions that they made in the movie, and that bothers me. It's not a problem with the movie itself, but I don't see how a particular thing can happen without everybody going like, "Oh, that's just the same as Eternals," and it's something that I've been looking forward to personally, and now I feel like they've kind of screwed the pooch. But before we do, before we go into that, um. So favorite characters. Um, let's just go in reverse order. Eric, who was your favorite character in this movie? Hey, you said characters. <laughs> well, but that's because everybody gets one. <laughs> you don't get multiple. Everybody gets one. <laughs> but there's 10 of them. <laughs> um, hmm. I will go with Congo because he's mm. awesome. And as a huge Camille Nanjiani fan, I am so happy for that man. It's not even funny. I mean, I can remember the days that he was doing his smaller stand-up sets and just starting you starting using like social media for like some of his video gaming stuff and just hanging around like some of the bigger name people that it, this is obviously just part of his career, but I thought he did a did a great job and um He's definitely one of the lesser known Eternals. I don't think he, I don't think Congo gets much play inside of the, uh, yeah, comics. I was not familiar with him at all. Although I did find it funny that it was like finger guns. <laughs> yeah. Finger guns. <laughs> Until he does his Kamehameha. But no, I thought, I thought he was such a great character and I really loved the fact that like he refused, he refuses to fight against his family. He's like, I might disagree with everything going on, mm. but that doesn't mean I'm going to turn on guys. I thought that was such a, such a long character bit for him. I thought that was great. Right, yeah. Oh, and I, I'm sorry. I should mention like everybody can jump. Like as we talk about a character, you can jump in on that character because everybody's going to get one. And we're not going to revisit that character. So uh, any thoughts on Kanga from anybody else? I love that they brought up Bollywood. I was so excited. I just, I, I kind of was watching it and going, oh no, that's, oh, that's awesome. So yeah. Yeah. I actually thought it was interesting because even though, like I was saying, like, you know, the, a lot of them, like their, their motivations are kind of weird and they don't necessarily behave the way you would expect. I do find it funny though, that we have a character though, who is also like trying like very hard to fit into a particular hue. And in fact, to a point where it's like, he's not even trying to hide any, like he's in movies and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, like this is my great grandfather. <laughs> my grandfather. Yeah, my I, father. Loved, I love that. And it was a lot of fun. I thought that that was a lot of fun. And I, I, to the point that you were making earlier, Lee, about like feeling like Mar, I, I agree with you that I feel like Marvel has gone way too far into the humor category with a lot of stuff. Um, that, um, I kind of like how they seem to be doing more now of like, we will have a fun or funny character. And that's, you know, like, and most of the humor will come from them rather than, like, just have, like, crazy humor all over the place. And so, like, yeah, having Conga and having his valet, you know, they were kind of, like, a lot of the humor was sort of driven from that side. And we didn't get, like, a lot of the over-the-top, you know, crazy humor that you might see in something like Ragnarok, which I felt was... Some people say it's the best Thor movie, and I'm like, mm, no, it was like, wait, it was hard to feel anything with that movie because it was just like every time we were about to have some drama, it's like, let's undercut it with a joke. And it was like, ah, all right. But anyway, um, but uh, yeah, other thoughts about Conga? Is that how, the, how you pronounce it? 
I thought it was Kinga. Yeah, I was wondering. Oh, is it Kinga? I, 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 I don't, I don't oh, have the bad. spelling. And, and he's not a character I'm familiar with from the comics. My bad. I, I might have heard it wrong, to be honest yeah. with you. I, and it's I thought, been, it, was, I thought a, it was. Oh, no, I think it's I think it's Kinga. I think. Yeah, I think Tom's yeah, it's right. Kinga. Okay. I looked it up. But no, I, I love that. He's my favorite. I mean, come on, Johnny. Like Eric said, I, I first discovered him on, I think, um, Silicon Valley. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which he has some signature lines from the uh, early episodes, <laughs> but uh, he and his wife wrote a great romantic comedy based on their life. And uh, he got jacked for this role. Oh my gosh. I thought it was great that I have a lot of Asian friends, but I thought it was great that he was the one who was like the most superhero cut out of all of them. So, and uh, like Nathan said, don't get me wrong. I like Thor Ragnarok, but considering how many people they killed in that movie so summarily at the beginning, you know, when sister sister Hela goes on a on a on a rant, it would have been nice for them to slow down. And it was this was more traditional. We have a character who provides comic relief, mm-hmm. but every everything else is going to be played fairly straight. So he he brought much needed levity, and you know, I might buy his action figure if I can track it down. <laughs> nice. All right, Ashley, anything else to add? No, I thought he was a lot of fun and I loved his assistant to the concept of filming a documentary that that was pretty hilarious. I would enjoy seeing if they ever want to like release a little short with the DVD that is the documentary that was recorded by his assistant. I think that would be kind of fun. How many of those cameras do you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, so yeah, we're, we're to you, Ashley. So uh, who would be your favorite character of the ones remaining? Yeah, I think uh, Cersei was my favorite. I thought uh, Gimma Chan really did a nice job with the role. Really, she was the emotional heart of the film, I think. And just seeing her struggle with the original mission that she was given, but also falling in love with the people of earth and deciding to like basically stand up to a celestial. That's um, that's pretty incredible. And I enjoyed seeing her interactions with the other characters. I'm intrigued by the idea that the Eternals have basically been rebooted. Like they, this is not their first time to have an emergence. So I'm curious I don't know how they would ever cover this or if they would, but what she was like in past versions, like, did she always feel a little bit bad that the people on the planet had to be destroyed or was it really something special about earth that she connected with? But I thought there was um, a nice amount of death uh, depth brought to that performance by the actress. Yeah. I really liked that. She, that they, because you know, it wasn't like when Icarus shows back up that she's just like, oh, Icarus. But at the same time, she doesn't really, other than she calls Dane at one point, we don't really know like where her feelings really lie between yeah. the two of them. And I thought that that was like one of the really great choices in the movie, because usually you would expect for there to be like with a romantic pairing like for there to be something more overt, especially when it's a triangle kind of thing. And they kind of sidestep that. But also making it kind of like, again, because like, this is somebody who's lived so long. It's like, oh, they yeah. wouldn't be prone to like really like rash, you know, decisions, really quick, 
you know, like, like decisions of, oh, well, I'm going to change back because he's back or, you know, like I'm going to do this or, or that. So I kind of liked the fact that they kind of made that a little more um, opaque um, as far as what her internal feelings were for all of that. Um, and uh, I also like the fact that because I, I, mean, I am kind of sick of movies where um, the characters do something and oppose some great or all powerful force. And it's just like, Oh, because you stood your ground and you did your thing like up. Oh, it's all it's all turned out the way you wanted it to. And I love the, the ending thing where it's just like you oppose the celestial. There's a you know, there's going to be a price for that. And I was just like, oh, my God, that is such a good like ending scene. You know, not quite the end because there's the end credit scenes, but just like all of a sudden it's like clouds are gone. And oh, like half the sky is ahead. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think they did an incredible job really showing the scale and the sense of epicness of the Celestials. Because I mean, Mm. in the MCU, we've seen Thanos and like, he's pretty powerful, but like they did a great job showing the Celestials, like they could just like squash Thanos. I mean, just that scene of them appearing in the sky, realizing how massive they are. And I actually really was fascinated by the scene of the Celestial emerging, just how massive Mm -hmm. this being is like emerging from the earth. And that if it was allowed to continue growing, like it would basically destroy the entire planet. So I think they did a great job showing the scale just of these beings and how powerful and scary they are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other thoughts on Cersei, anybody? I mean, I liked her. I thought I liked the idea of she didn't know what she could do until she tried. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good thing, a good message to see sometimes for especially younger people who uh, will be watching this. And I thought that was really great. I liked I liked that part of the character as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Gimma Chan ever since Crazy Rich Asians. It was yes. fun to see. She's one of the it's few humans. people to have major roles in different Marvel movies because mm-hmm. she was. Uh, Oh, the Cree uh, antagonist in Captain Marvel, Minerva. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, but you know, putting up blue makeup on you and put you in a different costume, and yeah, the characters they they don't resemble each other at all. So, I mean, it's like no, unless somebody told you that it was the same actress, you're not going to know. So, I mean, it, I think that that was fine. Eric, any thoughts on Cersei that we haven't said? I mean, it's it's all been covered. I, she's she's very very different than her comic book counterpart but i think that's for the better because her comic book counterpart is much more in lines with a character like emma frost where she's got this this vanity that she doesn't she mm-hmm. she doesn't need versus this version of cersei who's much more down to earth and pretty much almost human to to the crazy steady. so it was it was really cool to see her make those choices as an as an actress and see that played with yeah, I, I I went into comics and, and my first exposure to Avengers was the Dane Crystal Cersei love triangle. So I know all yep. <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> yes, I think that she is much improved from the comic version. Um, we didn't need that. Um, so <laughs> all right, Lee, uh, another character that you liked. Uh, Fastos. Hmm. I absolutely uh, adored that character. I liked it for a lot of reasons. 
Um, and the reason I brought up Faust is that kind of with the flashback scene to 1945 mm. and uh, with the atomic bomb. And, and I was like, yep, you made a deal with the devil. You were trying to help him out, but it's a deal with the devil. And that's why you don't do things like that. And I really like that. I liked that. I mean, you had a character who um, wanted to limit himself, but also didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, I, I I think that's always one of those things too that comes up and Tony Stark did it great because Tony didn't limit himself. If he wanted to do it, he did it, but there were others that tried to Steve was one of them, Steve Rogers. And I think that was that thing of, you know, I do want to live in the regular house and I do want to not use my powers anymore. And I'm not creating things. Oh yeah. But I am going to make the safest house possible for myself, my husband and my child. So I really like that. I liked his interactions with um, his son, Jack, when he was like, you remember when we do, you know, earmuffs? And yeah, that was really great. Uh, Felt very, very parent-like. And I got to say, loved that we had a gay couple out. Perfectly great in uh, the MCU. I think there's been a lot of I don't want to say push for that. And I don't know, again, don't know the comics. Not sure if any of that was, I mean, I would think if you've lived 5,000 years, you know, you've probably done a little bit of everything, but I, I sorry. I don't, what, what's the age? Is this all Captain um, Jack? <laughs> yeah, it's all Captain Jack. I mean, it is totally Captain Jack until he needs misting. And that's the kind of thing that I really liked. Um, I just, it was a great, he was just overall a great character. Plus, I love the actor. I'm a huge kaiju fan, and I've always liked him in other stuff, but his character in Godzilla vs. Kong made me just squee with happiness, um, and that might be sounding funny to some people because I do. I used to help run a, um, a Dragon contract that talked about conspiracy theories and the weird things that go on. So yeah, but I really I loved it. I thought he was great, and I I really really want more. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that he wanted to give like steam engines to the Babylonians and stuff. It's like <laughs> too much, too much. Here's a plow, We're right? Okay, <laughs> here's a plow. We'll see now they can use that. Um, and just to say also. There always is a need for more Salma Hayek. Mm. So um not even talking about her character. I'm just saying if there's any way to get more of her <laughs> into any of this. I- well, I mean, oh, they yeah. left themselves as they're artificial beings. They and they and oh, they're exactly. all backed up. Right. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not supposed to talk about a second character. So I'm just <laughs> right. saying that was that was a throwaway comic, always more Salma. right. But I, I'm just saying there in general, go. though, they've left it open that any of the dead characters can come back with downloaded yeah. memories from the cloud. So, I mean, well, like... yeah, that, that comes into my question about the sun later. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. And uh, Thomas, what what is there another character that? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't leave things open uh, for for everybody to talk about uh, Faust. Uh, Faust. Was it? Festus? Yeah, okay. Festus. Yeah, Festus. Yeah, Faustus. Yeah, yeah, like, Faustus. like uh, any other comments Faustus. on him? <clears throat> now, I, I kind of wish they hadn't ruined the Ikea joke. Yeah. The first couple of times I saw that in the trailer, I laughed. But b- by the time I got to the movie, I'd seen that trailer so many times, it wasn't funny anymore because I knew it. But That's why I don't watch the trailers anymore. Because I'm like, no, no, I want to, no. 
I have not seen Spider-Man yet. We are filming it. It's been out for two days. Have not seen Spider-Man. Yeah, they put a lot of, they always like to put like the best scenes in the trailer and it's like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Eric, were you, were you going to say something about Faustus? Yeah, there, so there, there was a very interesting discussion going on uh, online that I saw at least uh, one of the controversies about the about the film controversies. Um, people were misconstruing the Hiroshima scene. I think oh. those, yeah, Hiroshima. I think those people. Sorry, I was being pedantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I didn't respond. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I watch too much um, anime. <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. I don't like when people mispronounce Japanese. All right, sorry. Um, no, so like people people think that he's taking like a more literal responsibility for it, like as if it was his mm-hmm. like this is the way people are construing oh, no. the scene as if yeah, it was no. him. No, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, versus where it's made oh. pretty clear, at least at least to me, when I watched the film, I'm like, no, he's taking it as in we gave humanity all this and this is what they did with it. But the people mm-hmm. that online that are making controversy about it are are going, oh, no, th- it means he literally was responsible for it. And it's like, no, that that's not what that means. Right. <laughs> I mean, he sure, been pushing things either. forward yeah. slowly. And so he was worried that because of all those pushes that they developed the atomic bomb before they were ready for it. But not that he literally went into the Manhattan Project, said this is how you make a, a nuclear bomb and was like, go to town, boys. That, that's not that because yep. I mean, his sadness obviously shows that he wouldn't have wanted them to do that. So, yeah, no, I don't believe mm-hmm. that was trying to say he was part of the Manhattan Project and actually making the bomb. Um, it was all the other advances that he helped them make that led to it. Yeah, but I guess that's like that's one of the that's one of the silly controversies that I've that I've seen at least discussed a lot. There's been multiple mm. articles, and I'm like, are you are you guys sure you watched watched the movie? Are, are you sure? <laughs> Some people just want to like find things to hate, and they like manufacture stuff. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of one of the things is everybody can watch a movie, but everybody doesn't necessarily understand the movie mm. because I can't tell you how many of my film appreciation students are like, I never thought of it that way. It's like, that's why this is a field of study. <laughs> well, you that's know. why I like to have this podcast is because sometimes people like people sway me on things that I was like, I didn't like this or I didn't understand it. And I didn't think it was good. And sometimes people sway me. So, you know, it's good to have these discussions. It's good to have. That's why I don't like when people are like, don't talk about something. If you don't like, if you disagree, like, you know, like if you like the movie, don't tell somebody you didn't like the movie. You didn't, you didn't like the movie. Like don't tell somebody you like, if they didn't like the movie, don't tell them you like the movie so that you don't like, 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 you know, like disagree with them. Cause that causes like, you know, hurt feelings and stuff. And I'm like, no, talk about it. You know, like express your viewpoints, you know, because I like that. I like I like getting other viewpoints and understanding because sometimes it makes me see things differently. So, you know, I, I think that that's great. Um, Except but, for the people who feel compelled to go some, to somebody else's Facebook page and crap all over it because of their opinion yeah. of the movie. That's unsatisfactory. I, I put a nice disclaimer on my Facebook page when I finally gave my capsule review and said, if you do this, I will delete you because <laughs> no, but it, you know, it, uh, th- this is weird. I don't know why it, it seems like man of steel is the first movie I remember doing this, but there's this weird point where you either have to agree with my opinion about the movie 
or you're worthless. And it's like people, educated people can like and dislike different things. And that's cool. You could have a civilized conversation, but their movie, uh, the, the female Ghostbusters, same thing. It's like, come on, people just, you know, grow up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, now people are going into like insulting the the person rather than the, you know, the the the, the work. You know, to me it's like it's perfectly fine to criticize a work. It is not per- it's not okay to criticize the person who is commenting on the work or the people who made the work. Made you know, the, yeah. like that you don't criticize the, the work is what you can criticize, not the people. Um, but Well, yeah. I I think it's also it goes along with the idea of, you know, at the end of the day, all of these people are working. And did the check cash? Okay, guess what? That actor got paid for what they did. They didn't write it. I mean, there are different times. They didn't write it. They didn't direct it. They didn't edit it. So, you know, they got the check. They cashed the check. All's good. So, yeah, that always what bothers bothers me as well. I had a yeah. student. I had a student uh, read Catch Twenty Two and watch the the original movie version from seventy, mm. and he did not like the movie. The movie's flawed, but he said these people are terrible filmmakers. And I said, no, they're great filmmakers no. who made a bad film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can love Lance Henriksen as Bishop in Alien. However, I can also appreciate Lance Henriksen in all those Sasquatch movies that are on the sci-fi channel. <laughs> that does not mean... The man's got to eat. <laughs> the man's got to eat. He's a job and actor. And you know what? He's also a very sweet person anyway. So y'all need to be Go away. Oh, God. It's like David Warner. <laughs> Sometimes you need a house. Right. I'm so just going to say. So many great roles and then so many, oh, my God, man, I'm sorry. You <laughs> must have really like been in a dark time when you made those things. But in alimony, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I, that's exactly what Lance Hendrickson said about the Sasquatch movie. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have alimony, dude. <laughs> uh, so good answer for the reason. All right, Thomas, another character that you'd like to talk about. Um, I thought, is it Makari? Is she the speedster? Yeah, Makari, yep. I like that, A, they had a, a, that it was a different take on a speedster. Mm-hmm. I liked the inclusivity of her being deaf. I mean, I didn't think I didn't overthink it, Nathan. So. No, no, and that's the thing. Like I said, I get like totally about the representation factor and how that's great that audiences have really like latched onto that. I just when I think about it in the meta sense, it's kind of like, wait, why would you create an eternal that's missing a sense? You know, like. But anyway, that's the fullness of the human experience. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but no, I thought that I'd never seen the actor before, so I liked her and. Um, this has been a pretty good year for deaf actress for deaf actors mm-hmm. in lead roles from Coda on Apple TV Plus to A Quiet Place Part Two. So I'd like to see more of her, either as an actor or as a character or both. Um, and one of my students um, had a comment about her. He was glad to see a speedster actually doing what a speedster should do in a film instead of doing the, oh, we're going to do the slow motion gag. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I like Evan Peters. Don't get me wrong. He's brilliant in Mayor of East Town, by the way. But um, they kind of cheated with Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. But here we get to see a speedster doing speedstery things. So and I like it was the bond between her and um, oh, I can't Druig Druig. Yeah, I thought that was nice, too. I thought that was a really nice touch. Yeah. 
I did like the thing where everybody was like, is this new? But I also, um, I loved, she also did the one thing about speedsters that I've always been like, yes, she ran across water. Yeah. That's a big one for me. And I was so happy. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. There's a scene. Is it? There's a scene where like she comes out of nowhere in a fight. Was it when they were fighting Icarus? I think it might have been when they were fighting Icarus that like, yeah, like suddenly she's just there. And I love it because it's like so unexpected. You think he's got the upper hand and she just like runs from off screen and just like knocks him away. And my wife and I were both like, yeah, I love that. You know, it's like, and again, I get that the difference between TV and movie, but like I was just frustrated by the flash yesterday. Um, when I watched it, it was actually aired two days ago. Um, but I, I, because it was a thing where the flash was fighting a telepath and I was like, well, just cause you can read his mind and know what he's going to do. Your reaction speed is such that it doesn't matter if you know what he's going to do. Cause he's going, but that's not how they explained it. They explained it as I have super fast thinking. So you, you read my mind, but then I changed my mind about what I was going to do. And then I, I, I was like, that's so dumb. It's like, why wouldn't you just make it like, well, it doesn't matter because you can know what I'm going to do, but you can't defend because you can't move fast enough. And so I don't know, but yeah, I like the fact that, yeah, this was all about the speed. This is all about just like you cannot react to whatever she is doing. It doesn't matter. Icarus can be as strong as he wants to be, but you know, she just moves way too fast, you know, for him to to, you know, be able to now. Does it hurt him? No, because he's, you know, pretty much invulnerable, but she's able to knock him around a lot and keep him off balance. And that was really cool. So um I like that. Uh but uh but yeah, any other thoughts about Makari from anyone? Yeah, CW producers, this is how super speed is represented properly. Well, but to be fair, and I mean, I do want to really be fair. The TV budget for The Flash and the budget for Eternals are very disparate. So, you know, there still is a lot that like the movies can do with speed that the TV just can't do because it would cost too much. Several seasons of The Flash for what Eternals cost. Right. So, uh, but yes, I do think that they could represent super speed better, but I wouldn't just be like, do it like Eternals did because it's just like, break no, your bank. No, just do better. <laughs> right. Um, but, I'm the uh, fastest man alive. Not, not anymore, you're not. <laughs> I, I did think the point about Druig, though, I did think that that was really interesting because um, he's a character that came off somewhat sinister you know, in a lot of the movie. And, but I kind of like, again, this is one of those things where it's like, again, they really thought about the idea of living for thousands of years because it's like, you see them sort of start a relationship in like 300 BC. And then it's like, it really doesn't do anything until about modern time, you know, like, but it's one of those things. It's like, and they, she didn't even see him since, you know, 1500, you know? And so it's like, so that's 500 years of he went off and did his own thing, but then it's like they come back and they sort of sort of rekindle that connection. And it sort of shows that like, that's kind of like what they were both missing. It's like, she, he wanted to like, just take care of a small group of people and she just wanted to be by herself. And it wasn't until they came back together that they sort of both mutually decide, you know, like became more of like a whole person. But again, it was something that like evolved over hundreds of years of time. And again, it was one of those concepts that I really liked in the movie. Again, I get that like the movie didn't like connect with everybody, but again, I just thought there were some really, really cool ideas in the movie and, and ways of like looking at, you know, it's not like Highlander where it's like, he's immortal 
and all the immortals are immortal, but they basically act like regular people. You know, it's like, you know, that just, you know, cut off each other's heads, but otherwise they act like this normal everyday people. And so, um, you know, I, I, I like that sort of thought that they put into like, what would you be like if you just lived for, you know, thousands of years and, and, you know, relationships could take place over huge swaths of time where you could be like apart from each other for centuries and, and how would that affect things? So I, I like that. Um, so yeah, I guess we're to me, I'm going to bring up Gilgamesh, I guess, um, yes. which was, you know, another, you know, another representation of, uh, I, I did find it funny. Some people have posted some memes about how like, you know, Icarus looks just like Bucky. Uh, Wong just looks just like Gilgamesh. And it's sort of like they're posting these side by side of like the MCU now is just like basically cookie cuttering like characters now. <laughs> but um, but uh, what I found funny about Icarus, I'm just going to do this really brief aside. What I found funny about Icarus is that he, I found it him indistinguishable from Dane. And I find him indistinguishable from Bucky. But I don't find Bucky indistinguishable from Dane. Because like whenever Icarus was on the, there was a scene when they were in South America that I thought she had gone back and gotten Dane and brought him with them until I realized, oh, that's actually Icarus. <laughs> it didn't help that their accents were basically the same. Also, well, they did just... play brothers on Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what threw me. You have these two that play brothers from the house of Stark and then they're fighting over somebody named Cersei. So it just kind of, it gives you a little <laughs> moment of pause if you're a Game of Thrones fan. Right, but, um, but yeah, that aside, but Gilgamesh, I really love Gilgamesh. I, again, I, I really like that. It's like, you could take that as he was in love in a romantic sense with Athena or Athena, but I don't think that's necessary. And I think, cause they do talk about like when you love something, you protect it or whatever. I think it was just normal affection. I think it was just like a friendship of he really cared about her and it doesn't need to be that way. And again, I like, again, that motivations are kind of opaque in this movie. It's like, yeah, he made a decision that he was going to be the one that watched over her. But it wasn't necessarily, you know, like a like a romantic thing that he was in love with her or whatever. And I just like like when they meet him in present times and like how he has just become like complete like domestic. You know, it's like he likes to cook, you know, yes. he's like it's just like he just takes care of stuff and I'm just like, oh, that's really sweet. You know? And I just he was a he was a very fun character. And I think that that also led into, you know, when you choose like which characters, you know, OK, we got to you to kill off a character to show that there's stakes. And it's like, you know, you kill off a character that people, you know, really like uh, care about in the movie. And I think that he was one of the more the more, more of the one of the ones that you could identify with uh, better than some of the others. Um, and And yeah, I mean, his his death, I think, was. Uh, a blow but i also sort of thought about the fact of we have two people with super strength that's a little redundant and so i was kind of watching him <laughs> already from the beginning and i'm like we have more than one asian character <laughs> you had more than one super strength and i was like a little worried i knew we were gonna lose somebody at least one mm -hmm. right and i was like jolie's gotta be too expensive <laughs> it's just like i was like okay that's either good yeah I just kept working uh, since Hayek was early on. And I was like, yep, just that's who we're going to lose. Um, the other thing I loved about Gilgamesh was when he crushed the cast iron mm. 
pan and I, we work, we use cast iron in this house and it's really heavy and very thick. And I was just like, that is a great way to show strength without like mm. having to call it out. That was great. I have a question for, I guess, Nathan and Eric. In the comics, did Fina have this thing where she would go bonkers from time to time? Or was that a contrivance for the movie? I think, I mean, at least from the comics I've read, that is a contrivance. But I mean, I don't know about more recent comics, if, if no, the, that's a thing they've done. The the Neil Gaiman uh, run, like, there was like, I saw three or four pages when she's remembering who she actually is. She she kills a couple dudes. <laughs> mm. They're not Eternals, but she flat out kills a couple goons who are holding her hostage. Mind you, in, in that comic run, it's Thena who has a kid instead of uh, instead of Festos. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting to see where they flipped, uh, flipped different things for the adaption. Mm. But it's not like a regular thing that happens to her, right? Is it just like a, when she remembered who she was after being amnesiac that she went into a violent view? Or is it something that happens like to it was, her periodically? It was basically it was basically it was basically a triggering thing. Like that was what it was for her in that in in the Neil Gaiman run is it was flat out like the trigger to make her who she was Okay. versus this, which was obviously very different. Right. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, are there any other thoughts on Gilgamesh? I have loved um, Bong since uh, since train to busan when he plays the uh the dad that seems like a total jerk at first but then you know ends up ends up being the big awesome character that you're rooting for until until certain things happen in that movie try not to spoil for anybody who hasn't seen train to busan you really really should because it's a fantastic movie that yes is a zombie movie but it's also a family drama pretty much it's so good but he's so good in that and i know he plays like a, a mobster um in something else that I haven't seen, but like it's it's very cool kind of seeing like seeing like uh an actor kind of jump stateside and do like something this high profile. And I mean seeing that he was one of the strongest characters that we we've ever seen in the MCU. I'm sure I'm sure this version of Gilgamesh could could when they bring them in go to go toe to toe with like characters like juggernaut and colossus and you know like those in the thing and even the hulk i'm sure you, we could see those kind of fights if if they if they go with a certain plot line that you know like with the past memories and everything if we'll see because <laughs> that would be cool but it's it's cool to see like a strong character played in that kind of subtle gentle giant kind of way it's very uh very uh reminiscent of a uh, Fezzik. <laughs> nice. I went there. I went yeah, there. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So, um, you know, we are getting kind of, we are getting kind of long here and I definitely want to touch a few more things before we go, but before we do any other thoughts about the other Eternals that we haven't, that we haven't mentioned yet, or even more about Thena. Cause we just touched on her very briefly. Um, well, yeah, if I can, if I can add a little bit more to Athena, uh, sure. Is, um, Angel Angelina Jolie is one of those actresses for me that like can be extremely miss or sometimes hit. And this is one of those performances that similar to 
similar to, and this is going to be a weird comparison, but similar to modern day Nick Cage with all the roles he's been choosing. It seems like something that she read the script was still apprehensive over, you know, signing a Marvel contract, but read the script and was like, oh, I can, I can finally show some range again. I haven't shown some range in a good chunk of time. And that's what this performance was for me is seeing her as Cena. She showed a lot of, a lot of range here. And it wasn't just like a one note damaged character. It was flat out. She had multiple layers to her and we get to see her playing with a, with a bunch of different stuff that we haven't seen her play with in quite a long time in any role. I'm going to echo Lee and talk about Selma Hayek and just be like, yeah, she, I, I would really love for her to come back. I was shocked. That was so like, so like I expected one of them was going to die by the end of the movie. I was like, wow, like, I didn't expect to have like four characters die in this movie, you know, die um, in this movie, because, you know, they, they, like I said, they did give themselves the out of, oh, we have all these memories backed up in the celestial cloud. But, um, but yeah, no, like Salma Hayek, she, she wasn't in this movie a whole lot, mostly in just the flashbacks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really kind of interested in learning more about Ajak and what she knew. Um, Cause that's, that's, that's sort of like, we know that she knew, at least by the present time, what was really happening. Did she know that the whole time? You know, like, why is she the only one that didn't get, re- you know, rebooted if, if that was true? And, you know, there's a lot about the whole scenario that they could flesh out there with her and sort of like the relationship and how that would reflect all the, or uh, affect all the relationships with the others, um, knowing that about her. So, yeah, I would definitely like to see more out of Ajax uh, going forward. But I think she nailed the role you know, as she had it of sort of like, this is sort of like, for want of a better term, the spiritual leader of the group. All right. So, uh, so let's move on. Let's talk about, so we kind of had the deviance as a MacGuffin, but our real antagonists are the, the celestials. Um, but let's, let's just talk about that briefly, you know, as, as just the antagonists. Um, so, you know, what do you think of, you know, basically the deviance is the sort of like uh, threat that sort of like is overhanging them from the beginning, the more present threat and like the Celestials, like especially those of you who aren't familiar with the comics. Uh, I know, Ashley, you talked about the Celestials a little bit, but, um, you know, just sort of flesh that out, you know, a little more. Uh, so let's start with you on this one, Lee. What did you think about uh, the deviance and the Celestials? Well, first of all, um, Bill Skarsgård, who scares the absolute bejesus of, um, of, at me, scares absolute bejesus out of me, uh, was playing the one that had the four eyes. So that was a bit much for me. And uh, the other thing is, yeah, it's pretty much a MacGuffin. But we've, the other thing is that it was interesting that they did take it a little other places. It wasn't just that you could kill them easily. They, they took some work. Mm-hmm. And that was good. And you saw that all the way back to Babylon, that they took some work to kill. You know, these these weren't just easy to do. The uh, taking on of powers. I mean, I think we've seen that in some other things, but I did think that was interesting. Um, they did remind me a lot of the um, Zul's dogs in uh, the first Ghostbusters. I had that thought as well. I was not that thrilled with that. Cause I kept looking at it going, that's just weird. 
But um, yeah, so it was interesting. I liked them, but they are the MacGuffin of it. But please, God, no more oh, the voice acting for Bill Skarsgård freaks me out just as much as seeing him and a lot of other things as well. So yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah, any thoughts on the celestials, like uh, the sort of like the depiction of these these ginormous, you know, things? Well, I liked them. I mean, it, again, you know, we've had that. We, we know about them because of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But I think the thing that I wonder about is some things that we don't know yet. Right. In in the I've got kind of already asked some of these questions, you know, um, you know, they're not celestials in the multiverse right now who knows what marvel is going to do going forward um you know is the watcher one you know those are the kind of things that i really want to know about those celestials i really i i do have a question about um the celestials taking the three that stayed on earth but the three that were on the ship, oh no, they're good. You can just bingo. Huh? Well, he knew to come Why to not Earth. Get them both? He didn't know where the other ones went, but he knew that he knew to come to Earth. I'm sorry, he's a <laughs> yeah, he's a celestial. He knows where everybody is. That's that's just no. They, no. Uh-uh. No, I'm not even trying to get too meta in it. That just doesn't make any sense. So that's the kind of stuff that uh, I found interesting. I did, uh, I think Ashley brought it up, how they were having the baby celestial come out of the earth. Um, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I thought it was interesting about the gold and doing uh, that came out as gold. It just, I don't know why that really, really sticks with me. And I, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's just I like the color gold or something else. But that really kind of stuck with me. And yeah, so I like that. But I, I want to see how much, you know, I want to see how much of a big bad they are. Or are some of them not big bads and some of them are? And how, yeah, I'm, I don't know much about them yet. They were a bit interesting in this one but i really want to know more is is someone who steps on an ant bad i mean that's the sort of question you get with stuff like the celestials where it's like we're ants to them so it's like uh, you know are they bad if they squat a human you know like that that sort of thing so yeah right Uh, yeah and so that was interesting but yeah you're right all right thomas what do you think about our antagonists in the movie i'm not a fan of the deviants i thought that um People who said, oh, this is different from Marvel movies with CGI battles, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, dude, we got so many. The battles with the Deviants basically all had the same stakes. And it was just the same battle with heightened stakes with supposedly, I don't know. I just got, by the time we got to the third one, I was kind of bored. Mm. And, you know, once we got the Bill Skarsgård version, at least it became a little bit different. But still, I don't know. I thought that was, I thought that was a misstep somehow. Um with the celestials oh i just i started I, I was talking to one of my my students are cool i was talking with one of my students thinking okay maybe that's why the fox people decided to make galactus a giant cloud instead of a giant humanoid because it just i mean it came off as kind of weird it just you know and if this thing is being birthed at the Earth's core or whatever and posing a threat to the entire planet's existence, 
It didn't seem big enough to do that <laughs> when they scaled it. I don't know. It's just, ooh, I it sort of kind of didn't quite work for me. Well, I, I'll, I'll say this because I also like paid attention to the scale with the baby one. If you think about that thing ripping itself out of the earth, then the core would be exposed. So yes, it, what's not going to like burst out like, wow, and like all just the earth just flies in every direction, but it would still destroy the earth if you exposed the core by that thing, like cut, ripping out of even a huge chunk of the earth. So like, I think that's, and then the earth might like start crumbling apart or whatever. I think that was more of the point. But uh, didn't it mostly get out of the volcano thingy? I mean, I mean, just its hand and its head. <laughs> uh, let's. I don't know. It, I, it, I, it, I, yeah, I, I understand the the issue there. I just didn't think that that was major enough. <laughs> As someone who's birthed a baby, <laughs> let me just put it this way: <laughs> a hand and a head is more than enough to feel like you're about to be ripped open. <laughs> That's all we need to say. About but, but they got the head and the hand out. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, oh, here's where I think they kind of missed the boat. I think they really should have. I mean, this wasn't the first cosmic scale Marvel movie. And since we have some loose ties to the two other movies, especially Guardians, why not use elements from that to help introduce the mythos? I just thought trying to approach it as completely standalone in this, you know, it's number 26, movie number 26, right? That's probably right. I didn't count. I've, I've lost count because there's yeah. a lot. But I just thought it was a mistake to, to try to build in everything with all these new characters. If you had somebody from one of those other movies explaining the lore to somebody else or had an acquaintance with somebody, just something. I mean, why build this big cinematic universe and not use a lot of it? and just try to do everything almost from square zero. That just seemed like a misstep for the script because, you know, we did have the celestial head. We've got people who are on that station. You've got, you know, you've got cosmic creatures who could have been there. And yeah, I just, they made. I know, but you're, you're already complaining about too many characters. So if you start bringing in aliens on top of Eternals, on top of, you know, there's going to be humanity represented. If they're characters we've seen before, they're not a new character. Uh, It's fair. It's fair. I'm actually kind of glad they didn't tie it to guardians because guardians comes with way too much humor. And I don't want to like, I I didn't want, I kind of, I kind of liked that they did not go with the overly humorous, humorous, uh, route with this movie and i i'm kind of i'm kind of happy to keep some side of the cosmic stuff serious and and not like the super hyper uh you know uh uh comedic uh for, stuff for, for me a lot of the world building mythos didn't work and i re-watched the uh the first dark side two two-parter from superman animated and I thought they made much smarter choices. Instead of introducing all the new gods, you focus on Orion and Darkseid. And it's Superman's show, and he was part of Kirby's mythos. I just thought that they could have brought in some, one, of, one of the cosmic characters we've seen before kind of to help introduce. And it just seemed weird to try to do everything from start. And, and like, I think you said it, you can't do... You can't give one origin and then say everything you know is wrong for the last 75 minutes. That I do think was flawed. Although I think this has a lot to do with the politicking around Inhumans 
because Inhumans is the other Marvel secret society that's been among humanity for thousands of years. And that whole kerfluffle that led to it being first, it was a movie project, then it was a horrible TV project. And it's like, and, and now, now Eternal sort of doesn't exist. It, you know? <laughs> and so I think, I think some of those decisions were made of, they wanted it to be completely standalone in the MCU because I'm not sure that they knew that it was going to actually come to fruition. And so I think it sort of evolved from a, this is sort of our pitch as an alternative to Inhumans and sort of like came in that way. That's, that's my, I've heard nothing that actually says that, but just because of the decisions that have been made with the movies and with the fact that Eternals is basically like the other thing, like the thing that's similar to Inhumans in Marvel, I think that they i think that that might be kind of like how that evolved um and so i think that's that's what happened that's that's my suspicion anyway pun intended (laughs) (laughs) right um so yeah ashley i mean i know you commented on the celestials uh, a bit what do you think about the deviants yeah i thought they were uh fine i think it would have been a little bit of a letdown if they were the only antagonists in the movie but um i thought it was interesting how they were created by the celestials as well i wish they would have done more with the deviant who was sort of like becoming sentient like i felt like he was just kind of introduced and suddenly killed off and then we didn't really fully get to dive into that more um i also would have liked to see more from icarus as one of the antagonists because i felt like he needed we needed more about his motivation and his journey like why is he willing to betray his family for this celestial like i felt like we needed some more about his ties there and explanations for that and i'm also curious to see what they do with the celestials in future marvel movies like others have commented on are they going to be kind of the big bad of phase four but you've also got the villain the antagonist introduced in the loki tv series You've got some things going on with WandaVision and whatever's going to happen with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So I'm just I'm very curious to see how they weave everything together and what this is all building towards, because it's Marvel. We know it's all building towards something. And now that we've kind of got Thanos out of the way, like what's something that's going to impress people be even bigger than Thanos. So I think there are interesting things ahead and hopefully they carry it off well. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 listening to what Kevin Feige has said in interviews, he's kind of done with the trying to like have everything merge up into a mm-hmm. single movie at the end. I think we're just like going like we're gonna start like just spreading out. Uh, there might not be like an actual end game, haha, uh, <laughs> planned uh, in the in the you know relatively near future there. But I think I think you're going to see all of the above. Uh, as big bads that have sort of certain segments that they occupy um, going forward. Cause I think they're spreading out so much that having everything, every Disney plus show, every movie, when they're doing four movies a year and every Disney plus show segue, you know, like dovetail into one thing, I think it's going to be, it's too much. And that's why they're also not doing these bigs contracts anymore with the actors where yeah. they're just signing them per movie is again, they're not going to try to do like that sort of ambitious thing of like, we're going to map it all out like five years in advance and just have Infinity everybody's saga, already- saga. right. Exactly. <laughs> So, in game part two that's like eight hours long in the yeah. theater <laughs> although the russo brothers i read an interview with the russo brothers they said they would be 
interested in coming back if we did Avengers versus X-Men. So mm. Mm, interesting. Cool. Yeah. yeah, but I don't want them. See, that's like BVS where it's like you haven't even introduced the X-Men yet. And you're already talking about Avengers versus X. I don't know. I just don't want that's like how they didn't introduce Batman yet. But it was like, oh, BVS, Batman versus Superman. It's like I kind of oh. want to give the X-Men some time. And who even knows like what the Russos will be doing by the time they'd even be ready for that. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see. What is but... a superhero trope? We just met, therefore we must fight. Right. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, Erica, let's, uh, I'm sorry, we, we need to hurry up a little bit here, but yeah, like thoughts on, on how the Celestials and the Deviants were uh, depicted in this. Hi, how's it going? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't have to no, wait for me to call on you. <laughs> I know, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt uh, real, real quick. Um, Kevin Feige is a genius in the sense that he spent the first 10 years building this universe so we can see what we're seeing now. We're getting the Mm -hmm. horror side of things. We're getting the multiverse. We're eventually going to get the X-Men brought in. We have the cosmic side, which I know for a fact, Nathan, I know exactly where you're going to end the show because I think I have a very similar theory to what what you might have. Uh, But um, so we have the cosmic side of things. Mm. We have we have something coming that I think the reason they introduce the celestials in the way they have, I think there is something bigger uh, at play, but not like a not like combining everything kind of at play, just bringing in that threat eventually. But we have literally like the subsections of Marvel that we have on the comic side of things now. Like that's, that's what those first 10 years were building to. So they can split everything off. Like, I mean, they're like I said, they are bringing them that horror side. They've cast werewolf by night. We have moon night. We have blade. We have black night. We have all, we have ghost riders supposedly coming back. Like they're building that side as much as, as much as they're doing all this cosmic insane stuff. Cause we know warlocks coming. We know all that's happening, but, um, but yeah, when it comes to tie it back in, when it comes to the deviants, I actually like the comic book version a lot more because mm-hmm. the deviants have an actual personality. The deviants might be dumb as a box of rocks, but they're going to they're going to walk up to an eternal and go, "Hey, you want a piece of this? Bring it." Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm paraphrasing there, but they're literally like they they'll walk up to they'll walk up to a superpowered being and they will taunt it, thinking they're going to win that fight. And that was what was missing from even the intelligent eternal. I mean, the intelligent deviant who basically mm-hmm. turns into the smart gremlin from uh, from Gremlins too. He wasn't. He didn't have much of a personality. He's like, oh, I have gained sentience. Allow me to no stop that. Be dumb as box of rocks, but taunt taunt who you're fighting, which he kind of did. But still, <laughs> that was I felt like that was a big chunk of what was missing. And I I'm not a huge fan of Icarus in the comics. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of like a, I like good Hyperion versus versus Icarus. Like I like the good version of a uh, Hyperion. Yeah, yeah. It's for um, people who don't know, that's another Superman analog uh, in Marvel. Uh, but yeah, Hyperion. But yeah. But I did feel like that was the that was the weakest element of the film is suddenly Icarus just deciding, you know, screw my family. If you guys mess with the Celestials plan, I'll I'll murder you all in cold blood. I was like, what? Why? Why do we need this? Well, all right. So so if I could step in on this one, uh, 
I think that that has to do with the fact that they've introduced them very differently. Like the celestial even says, I've created these because they, they, they're artificial beings that should not change. And in fact, so Cersei, everybody's been talking about Cersei and how much they love Cersei. Cersei is the dynamic character. It's only because Cersei changed that any of them decided to, to do anything. And so I don't know if there's something different about Cersei. I don't know if they're going to explore that, why Cersei is the different one. But that's the thing. They were made intentionally to be set and unchangeable. So Icarus is the one that's the most set and unchangeable. Because you see even the other ones like... Um, as we say, is Kinga, Kinga, yeah, um, Kinga, you know, like he didn't want to, he wanted to support the celestial, but he was brought along by the fact that, you know, he, he, you know, the connections with the others. And so that's the sort of thing we saw sort of a spectrum with Cersei on one end and Icarus on the other. And I, and I think that's the thing. I think that those of us who think of the characters from the comics, it's a lot more shocking to us to see Icarus as the villain but that's I think that's what they were going for is like Icarus is the one that was like was one of the ones that was completely like that. He was the unchangeable one. He was the one that was going to just do it the way that that he was, you know, that, that he was made to do it. Um, and so, yeah, anyway. I don't know. I'm sorry. Did you have any other thoughts? I didn't want to like just completely steamroll over you, but I had a thought about that particular point. So I wanted to to give it. Oh, no, I because I, I wanted to tie it back in for you um but no like i do get where you said what you're saying there and i think i think that is half of the issue is like us as the comic book readers were mm -hmm. going wait a minute this icarus feels like injustice superman out of nowhere what the <laughs> what the heck right. yeah i mean like you i found the deviant depiction odd but again it's like again if i can just put the comics aside yeah. That was one of those things where it's like, this is interesting, though. These things that were created to devour life and become the things that they like take on the traits of the things that they devoured. And then for the Eternals to have been created as the thing to stop these, but then they can also, like, quote unquote, devour the Eternals and gain their abilities as well. And so I found that to be like an interesting kind of like threat. But yeah, they weren't deviants <laughs> and they weren't like the deviants at all. Um, I, I do want to say really quick, though, that like getting to the Celestials, um, that I was so excited to see a Unimind in the first like Eternals movie. I was like, I never thought I would see a Unimind first. And second of all, it's the first movie with these characters. It's amazing. Um, and I did like the fact that they also like, this is how I tie it to the Celestials. Because I was like, even with the Unimind, she shouldn't be able to like do anything to a Celestial. But I was like, oh, okay. She was like actually tapped into the power of the Celestial itself. So, okay. Uh, they at least address that because if they could like take on a celestial even with you know like six or seven of them i'm like no no they just shouldn't no and and that's what i'm going to say about the celestials like ashley i loved the fact that this full-on cosmic i completely disagree with thomas about the, the galactus cloud i i think that that should never have been a thing and i think that actually showing them the way they are in the comics was perfect i wanted to see that huge scale i wanted to see how just like 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 how crazy that is that disparity and i think that that really ratchets up like the fact that like you're treading in an area that like human beings even super powered human beings like just can't like they can't do anything about this in a in a in a power way at the very you know at the very least so i, I liked all of that i thought the celestials were were perfect in their depiction um 
I just don't like the earth being an egg. Um, but I didn't, I mean, it was how they did the movie. And that's the thing. They didn't want the deviants it to be the antagonists moving forward. And that's why they made them the simple version that they made in this. Um, and I think it's really going to be more about the cosmic side for the Eternals with Celestials and whatever else the ones that have gone into space are going to find. And I think that that's why they sort of made the deviants as simplistic as they did in this is so they could just like sort of sweep them to the side and just move forward. Um, Lee, I know that you've got to go. Um, and, and, and we're just going to talk about one more thing here. And so before you go, I just wanted to give you uh, the ability to, to talk about the post credit scenes and you know just sort of like what you thought i mean you already mentioned the thing with you heard the voice with the with the dane one but like you know and then but then the other one also like what you know what do you think about that (laughs) okay eros being thanos's brother i'm like you know adoption always works great it's you know we've seen that a lot in the mcu um that's awesome so i didn't have a real problem with that but again i don't know so again new to this the other thing is i loved um as much as i love the voice of uh marsh i never say it right m ali mahershala thank you i always have a problem getting that out uh I loved his hearing his voice i also loved hearing Patton oswalt as Mm -hmm. pip which means in the MCU, he has now been Koenig and all seven brothers and a sister and uh, has now been Pip. So I hope we see more of Pip because I like it when certain people get a check. <laughs> so that was great. It was so much fun. Um, Ashley, I cannot wait to add your Facebook because little tiny babies are awesome to look at and I love it. Especially because mine's 22 and sometimes you don't like them as much. <laughs> so, it's good to know there's to look forward to. <laughs> no, they're what he's wonderful. It's just sometimes you're like, mm, now that you're an adult, you can be a real pain in my throat. Yep. But I loved seeing everybody again. Thank Nathan, thank you for inviting oh, me. And next time I will make sure I am not having a doctor's appointment at 7 oh, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, like I could say, we're wrapping out anyway. But yeah, just, uh, okay. you know, let people know where they can find you uh, before you leave. Uh, best place to find me is probably at theuniquegeek.com. Uh, 50 Days of Dragon Con podcast are on there. John and I have been doing that insanity for 13 years. And... It's always fun and we have a great time doing it. So that's a lot. Um, and I also would say, look at Dragon Con Extract on fa- Facebook. It's a great track. We love it. We talk about paranormal stuff, conspiracy stuff, shows, weird things, Sasquatch. You never know. Yeah, so, it's not X rated uh, content, which is what I originally thought when I heard no, of the Extract. X, <laughs> right. X as in, no, this is not Frolicon. X as in the X-Files. Universe. I was like, I completely ignored so, the X-Track originally because I thought it was X-rated yeah. stuff. I was like, that's not no, for no, me. No, no. It was, yeah, yeah. It was, the name was made when you only had like a show per track. <laughs> and that was many years ago. So, but it was nice to talk to everybody. Thank you. Um, I can't wait to listen to more of these. Uh-huh. And I cannot wait to listen to, because I already wrote it down, Legendary Forces, because... Star Wars is my jam. All right. Awesome. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, bye, Have Lee. a good one. <laughs> it's nice having bye. you. Bye. <laughs> so sorry. Bye. 
and leave the meeting. There. <laughs> All right. All right. So, yeah, let's talk about those those last two scenes, because, um, you know, again, I always like to talk about the setup and what we think is going to happen next with the characters. And of course, they gave us some teases. Um, so uh, let's start with you on this one, Ashley. Um, you know, what did you think about those end credit scenes and like exactly like, you know, especially with somebody with no comic background, I'm always really fascinated because there was like a woman in the theater that was just like, like after the Dane one, she was just like, who was that? What was that? And I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, I'll help you out. She's like, I need to know. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to help you out here. So, all right. So Ashley, um, you know, what do you think? Nice. Well, I have to chuckle at the uh, mid credit scene. I'm looking forward to when this is on uh, Disney Plus again so I can watch it because when I first saw it, I was so stunned to see like Harry, Harry Styles is in a Marvel movie. Like I don't even like I was processing that. And so I don't actually know what all the implications of that were, but I was really excited to see uh Kit Harrington as um, in kind of introducing the Black Knight. I had heard before I went to see this movie rumors that he was going to be playing this character in the movie. So I'm really intrigued to see what kind of fun he could get up to with Blade. So I'm really interested in that part of it. I still don't kind of know what the heck to think of Star Fox and everything going on there, but I'm definitely into the black knight blade and what all is going to come from that portion so for me i was more excited about the second credit sequence actually yeah i i i star fox is a problematic character now i know it's marvel yep. and i know that they'll they'll do they'll do well by that side of things but his power is emotional manipulation and all Ooh. of the th- and the fact that his name is eros i'm sure you can like connect the dots there there there's problems with 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 oh, eros so, and, and so. so so you Nathan, so you've heard of that She-Hulk arc then, huh? Well, I've heard of it, but yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's that doesn't take a rocket scientist to connect the dots well before that arc even existed, you know? Yeah, but that was like, so that was like 2010, I think, is when they did that arc, Mm. and they didn't touch the, they didn't touch the character for eight years. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not surprised because yeah, especially in an era where we're more conscious of, you know, with Me Too movements and everything else, like. Yeah, like like a guy who's always surrounded by women who has the power of emotional manipulation. Hmm, you know, <laughs> that's there, there's some problems there. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there was a, there was a lot to unpack with that mid credits. But mm. the second one, I'm all ready for Black Knight and uh, Blade. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am very interested in the fact they're going with Ebony Blade version Black Knight and not um you know, uh, basically lightsaber. Lightsaber. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know to say it's a, it's a sun sword, but I think that I just imported <laughs> that from, so from Thundar. I don't think they ever actually called it a sun sword in the, uh, in the comics, but, uh, well, <laughs> but you in know my what? mind, Disney, it's a sun sword. <laughs> yeah. Disney owns both franchises anyway. So <laughs> just mash it all does, together. Does Disney own Thundar? I, I mean, they... uh, uh, Star Wars. So, oh yeah, yeah if he has a yeah, light yeah, yeah, sword, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. like just smash <laughs> yeah. it all together. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, so um Eric, what do you think about those about those scenes? I I have a theory. I have a very big working theory. I'm pretty sure I have the same one, Nathan. Um the very well, actually, here I will reenact my exact reaction upon seeing Pip before I get into the into the theory. So I'll preface it by saying I had day one, I had 
Star Fox spoiled for me because the stupid comic book websites, the second the premiere came out, were like, Harry Styles is in the MCU. And it's like, oh, cool. Th- thanks, guys, for spoiling something. Well, awesome. I saw a bunch of things saying, here's what you need to know about Star Fox, the newest character in the MCU. So even though I didn't say, didn't say in Eternals is Star Fox, I was pretty sure. It's like, okay, well, I know that's going to be a surprise. And since I knew he was an Eternal, I was like, okay, well, Star Fox is going to show up. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so my buddy Dan goes, okay, yeah, sure, you know that, but you're going to lose your crap the second you see what else is in that scene. So my mind went racing for the couple weeks that I had to wait. And so I hear Pip's voice. I finally see him show up and I go. <laughs> like I threw my hands into the air. I was so excited. And then it clicked in my head that it was it was patent, which I was like, oh, that's even greater. But the second I saw Pip and then I realized Star Fox is right there. I was like, wait a minute. Warlocks and Guardians Volume 3. Gamora's over there. That's four members of the Infinity Watch. They've already gotten rid of the Infinity Stones. I I, I don't think we're going to get anything nope. like uh, the Infinity, Infinity Watch. Watch. The Infinity Watch was around for way more than just the Infinity Stones. Even when the Infinity Stones were handled, they were still around. The, as the, and they can play around with different characters and different ideas. I think we're going to get some sort of hybrid version of the Infinity Watch in the long run. I it think we'll get because, to... because Warlock, Pip, and Gamora are a thing that like predates the infinity watch. I think we'll end up getting pip with them at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. And so that we'll have that tree. I don't think we're going to have infinity watch. I don't think like anything, anything like the time to introduce warlock. If we were going to have him do anything infinity wise was before infinity war and they didn't do that. And so I I'm kind of blah on the whole one. Cause at first he's going to be introduced in guardians. So I'm not going to like his depiction anyway, cause I've hated pretty much everything about guardians except for rocket. I disagree so hard, but whatever. Um, and I, I, I just, I, it's too, it's too humorous. It's it, they don't take anything seriously. And it's just, I I've hated the guardian stuff. Read, and, and read just, annihilation, ooh. read everything connected to, Dan Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning read that. Oh, no, no, no. I did cosmic. read their. I did read their <laughs> Guardians run. I I did read their guard, and even that was more serious than the oh, movie okay. version. <laughs> there was at least room for drama and actual like character development, and not just everything is a stupid joke. So anyway, I'm not going to get there because that's Guardians. <laughs> but I think this is another one division. You know, Mephisto and Quicksilver thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think we're getting Infinity Watch. Um, yeah, but you also don't think we're getting Matt Murdock. <laughs> I don't think you're getting anything. Marvel TV is never going to show up in the in the stuff that Feige has control over. He has cut off all the Jeff Loeb stuff. It is gone. You might see a reboot with a different actor. Charlie Cox is coming back. Ah. It's not going to be a different actor. I guarantee for a fact that that was not fake. What we have seen is not fake. What have you seen? You haven't seen the picture of him. It was so there's the two pictures that the two big pictures that leaked were the picture of um of all three Spider-Men together. All that I saw was a scene from the first trailer that people was like, that's Matt Murdock's hand. And it's like, and it's like, no, no, actually it's not. But no, I, I don't think we're going. And and I don't think Kingpin's in Hawkeye, and I don't think any of that stuff is Oh, I don't think Kingpin's in Hawkeye. Oh, you haven't heard that one too? No, I'm saying I don't think I don't think he is. Um, <laughs> but Mephisto, right? Mephisto, Mephisto is. <laughs> have you seen? 
Have you seen the meme with Spider-Man No Way Home's poster where they've just inserted like character like juggernauts in there? Like, and they, they zoom in on one of Doc Ock's tentacles where you see a reflection of something that might be a face, and they're like Mephisto. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> All right. But no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You you pushed one of my buttons, which is which is how they've they've screwed Warlock over, and and, and that just made me mad. So I'm no, sorry. I know. But well, we are. It seem it seems more and more likely that we're getting the Church of Universal Truth, which is just going to be a big old mess. But anyways, <laughs> that would be interesting if they did that. But I think they're going to be too busy. They're going to be too busy with Kang to deal with other futuristic threats. Um, true. But we'll we'll see. I mean, obviously, I am heavily biased towards the Black Knight and Blade stuff because I am so excited to see where he takes all this horror stuff. I, if if I trust anybody, it's Kevin Feige. And I mm. cannot wait to see if they really are being able to because that's what Feige will do. He's not just going to bring in uh, bring, bring Robbie back. I think he'll have at least Danny and uh, Danny and um, oh, why is my brain blanking on? Danny catch Johnny. Why was my blame breaking on Johnny? So I think we'll get all the big, like well-known horror characters, whether or not it will be like the, um, Oh, see, now I'm blanking completely on the name of uh, the midnight suns. Whether we get the midnight suns is a whole nother matter, but it's going to be really fun to see what they do with all that. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay. All right. No, we'll see. I mean, I tend to be a lot more conservative about stuff like that. I really, I, first of all, if they do do, I mean, I don't dispute they might do Ghost, a Ghost Rider at some point, but we're not going to get the Robbie Reyes that was on S.H.I.E.L.D. because again, that's a Marvel TV project. They're not going to acknowledge it. They, we might get a Johnny Blaze or a Danny Ketch, but I don't think we're ever going to see Robbie Reyes again. Um, but anyway, um, so Thomas, thoughts on those, on those two ending scenes and where we're going to go from there. Mid-credit scene. Harry Styles, really? <laughs> the reaction from the, the from the audience in Florida was not positive. So I've heard there have been other reactions from other places in the country, but I'm not a big fan of casting superstars in. I miss the old days where you would catch virtually unknown, relatively unknown actors in movies. So because when you cast a superstar, you bring so much baggage to. And can he act? I don't. I don't know. Can he act? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Patton Oswalt, I, I love the dude. So Patton Oswalt and anything, right on. Um, I was much more excited for the end credit scene. I thought Dane, Dane Whitman was criminally underused in this film. So the potential of a Blade team up or MI-13 or anything has me excited. But I, I thought for sure since the Eternals had a history on earth and black light has a history on earth that that would be how they would fit him in the movie that would just make too much sense but whatever you know so yeah i i yeah i i do kind of agree that it was sort of weird that they introduced him this way but i expect we're going to find out very soon like Either whether it's the Blade movie, whether it's he's he's there fighting vampires with Blade, or if there's going to be some other thing that they both show up in together, um, that I'm sure it will be announced very soon. You know, 2024, probably we're going to see because it's kind of like 2023 is already packed with Disney Plus shows and we already know the movies in 2023. So it's like 2024, we're probably going to see uh, Blade and Black Knight in something, whether it's a movie or a Disney Plus show. Well, they have those. They have those slots for 
unnamed un- unnamed Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, do you know how Mahershala got the job as Blade? No. It's awesome. After he won his second Oscar, he contacted Kevin Feige and said, I want to play Blade. And oh, Kevin Feige okay. Feige, That's nice. We want you to play Blade too. <laughs> it's better than the people who have been clamoring for Wesley Snipes to come oh, back. No, and no, I'm no, like, Snipes look, is, Snipes is great. He, 1998 Blade movie blew me away. He was a character I had heard of, but never even read anything in the comics. And that movie, my expectations are so low and it just blew me away. 2020, whatever. I, I, Wesley Snipes isn't playing Blade. Okay, guys, he's just, he's too old for it now. I mean, it's not, (laughs) you know, it's just not going to happen. I did love seeing Wesley Snipes go, oh no, Ali's going to kill this. Like, I love, I loved seeing him give, give the nod. I thought that was really cool. Right. Cause he was even tweeting like a year before they like did the, like, oh, I've been meeting with Marvel about reviving Blade. And it's like, he was making a big deal about like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. We're going to get this thing done. But then it's like, oh, they cast somebody else. But yeah, he was cool with it. So that's good because yeah, great actor, you know, like why, why wouldn't you be cool with it? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so for me, um, I'm thinking, well, I mean, again, I mean, Star Fox, it's interesting. And it's interesting if they have, like, because we know, because Feige in the past has planned so many things ahead, but we know from the comments they're making that, like, the writers didn't seem to have, like, an explanation yet for, like, Eros and why, you know, like, er, why Eros is Thanos' brother. And, you know, there's some thoughts they, they've mentioned, like, well, maybe there are, like, sort of, like, prime versions of each Eternal that were organic, and then they're just, like, they're the synthetic copies, or maybe there are, was an original Eternal race, or, but it's like, okay, any of those might fit. You know, but it's like, why don't you know which version that is if you're introducing the character? <laughs> you know, like there should be something there. So I don't know. I just know that Pip teleported without the space stone, which in the comics, <laughs> he's the holder of the space stone, which is why he can teleport. Uh, so I'm kind of interested in what even thought there is there, like what they're thinking of using those characters for. But I am glad that they're expanding the cosmic side of the Marvel universe. And I expect that what we're going to do is we're going to find that there's a planet of Eternals like Titan is in, in the comics. It won't be called Titan in the com, you know, in the in the MCU because they already had a Titan that Thanos, you know, showed that was already destroyed and everything. So, um, you know, it'll it'll be called something else. But I think we'll see characters like Mentor and some of the other Eternals, like space based Eternals in that the blade or the uh, the the Black Knight thing. I was just swinging with delight. <laughs> You know, and I'm really, I'm really curious, like how um, they're going to utilize that with the curse, you know, with the ebony blade, um, and the fact that you know that is not a good thing for him to use. There's a reason why he used the lightsaber. You know, like it's <laughs> it, it's it's a bad thing. So it gets ten times worse for him in the last fifteen, ten, fifteen years of publishing. He's mm. He's been through some crap with that blade very recently. So, um, so yeah, I'm curious what they're going to do and how they're going to dovetail it back to, because, you know, theoretically, Cersei's going to be back eventually, whether there's, you know, something. And so how they're going to dovetail those characters back together, because if anything, I suspect they have a plan for that, even if they don't have a plan for the space stuff yet. Um, you know, I, I hope that they have a plan for that. So I'm kind of curious how they're going to dovetail those things together. Um, but, but yeah, I expect that we will see Dane and Cersei together. Um, so now I'm just going to open it up for just final thoughts. I'm going to give mine, which is the thing that I sort of hinted at the beginning, uh, which is the thing that, that I'm kind of thinking in a meta sense 
they kind of hurt themselves with this because from a comic standpoint, the thing that I've been looking forward to since the fantastic four have rejoined the MCU is the coming of Galactus. And by introducing the celestials before Galactus and by having basically a world ending threat with a celestial rather than Galactus, when Galactus comes, it's going to feel same old, same old. It's just like, oh, now the threat comes from space instead of coming from within the earth. But it's the same thing. It's going to destroy the planet. Like the planet will be cracked open like an egg and it will be destroyed. It's the same problem. And so when, you know, it's going to be like, okay, so we, we might do that in a Fantastic Four movie, but it will feel like we've seen that already and it won't be all that interesting. And so I'm kind of, I, I kind of feel like it was a mistake on Marvel's part to start with the celestials rather than waiting and giving time for the fantastic four and then maybe doing more with celestials after that. Um, so that, that was my one thing after I saw the movie, they kind of thought about that. I was like, man, they kind of, they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that decision. Um, but um, so Eric, I saw you shaking your head. <laughs> That's because the celestials are only, only terrified of one thing. And that is Galactus. Okay. It's it's a much more recent it's a much more recent thing. So, but, but he's are... still a world-ending threat. So it's the same thing. I mean, okay, maybe you say he's even more powerful. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. If even if even the Celestials are terrified of him, come on. But it's still. I mean, so so all right. So are you familiar with Dragon Ball Z? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a point past which going. once you make a character so powerful that they can destroy the world, it doesn't matter if you say this character is even <laughs> 10 times more powerful than that. You've already reached beyond a scale that like a person can conceive of. And so it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't feel any more threatening or scary because they can all destroy the world 10 times over. And so it's like, uh, okay. you know, <laughs> like, the, the, I think the fantastic four will probably deal with someone like, um, uh, Annihilus before we go into uh, Galactus. Oh no, I expect that to be like a second or third movie, but still, like I said, but the Celeste, they already did the Celestial destroying the world. And so it's kind of like they've already done that. I mean, you know, so. Um, but yeah, any other final thoughts that you have, Eric? Uh, trying to think. Well, so in the, um, it'll get, uh, since you were, since you were talking about, you know, a certain, uh, a certain Eternals leader, he, he was, at least in the comic, he was the old man with the dog, the drunk old man with the dog. Hmm. He it, that in the Neil Gaiman comic, he, that's who he is. So whether or not they kind of spin that back and have that as a reveal, I think it could be fun in a in a, in a follow up movie, obviously, because mm-hmm. we did see a, a uh, passed out drunk with a dog that scared that scared away the uh, deviant that went to attack that went to attack. I thought that they'll pay off on eventually. Mm. Okay. Uh, Thomas, any final thoughts? Um, I'm annoyed that we got an Eternals movie before a New Gods movie. But that that has to do <laughs> more with you and with your Warner DC ways don't belong here in my Marvels. No, talk to the Warner Brothers executives because yeah. they're the ones that canceled it. Oh, I know, I know, but it's just weird that you get <laughs> Kirby's ripoff of his own creature of uh, creation. Before you get the original article, um, I will probably you the the three of you who were more positive about the movie than the other two of us. I will probably try to catch this 
in the next few weeks before it leaves theaters and heads to Marvel Plus on the big screen. I really wish that somebody does like a different cut of it. I think there Mm. are pieces of a great movie in it, but this was not edited to be that. So somebody else could come in and make it a really fine work. Um, Topher Grace, what are you doing for the next? uh, (laughs) I heard he did that edit of Star Wars one through three as one, you know, three and a half hour movie. But actually, um, friend of the show, Mike Nelson, did the same thing, but apparently he made a deal where it could only ever be shown at Dragon Con once. So I've never been able to see it. I want to see that that supercut he made of just the prequels. But anyway, the um, you know, overall, I think it's a swing and a miss. It was a big swing, but it didn't connect like it could have. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens afterwards. Yeah, no, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts when these characters do come back around, you know, like whether you think that like it, they paid it off at least or, or did better with them, you know, uh, with that. But uh, so, Ashley, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'll just kind of echo what uh, Thomas said. I think there's a lot of interesting things that they can play with. I'll be really curious to see what comes next. And I think that things are getting pretty crazy weird and wild in phase four and i'm absolutely down for that so i want to see them just keep experimenting just blowing that universe wide open and yeah five years from now it'll be really interesting to come back and see like if my thoughts on eternals are different based on what we've seen next like if they manage to build on all this successfully or if it gets too expansive and gets a bit messy but i'm really glad that they're willing to take chances and i'm excited to see what's coming next yeah this is the genius of feige the multiverse was introduced for a reason they've got a reset button if they ever need to press yeah. it. I, I think that that is part of the plan is that he knows that eventually it will get to be too much. And eventually people will want to see the characters that have already felt like, you know, uh, people want to see Tony Stark again. People mm-hmm. will want to see Steve Rogers as Captain America, but enough time will have passed. that It'll be like, even if you recast them, you can't bring them back. You know, and so it's like, well, multiverse, this is just another universe where there's a where there's an Iron Man who's similar, but he's not quite the same as the Tony Stark. So you can do different stories or even if you want to do like, hey, let's do a story set in the 60s when these characters were actually introduced and do like a 60s, you know, Avengers or a 60s Iron Man or any or 60s 60s, Fantastic Four or 60s Fantastic Four. And I think I think the multiverse is their way of going like when it gets to be too much or when it gets to be we we've like stretched too far past the source material. Material, we can always start playing around with that multiverse aspect but still say it's all connected because the multiverse connects everything so i exactly. think this is, this is feige's genius with this and um you've seen the live action watcher too yep yeah that's right and i love what they're doing with what if i think that that's great to introduce general audiences to the idea of mcu animation and i want to see like so much more of that just mm. go, go wild and um hopefully much much well more they're doing that spider-man freshman year which is another yeah. animated show set in the mcu which is the peter when he first became spider-man uh series so yeah, it'll be. Yeah, I'm sure that we're going to see other animated projects moving forward. Um, but uh, but all right, yeah. Thanks, guys. I, I I know these go long. These always go long. But um, but no, it was good talking with everybody. Um, good, good getting everybody's thoughts. And of course, next year, 
you know, we'll we'll do the signups again for whatever movie everybody's excited about for next year. Um, so you know, we'll we'll talk about Thor or Doctor Strange or uh, I think it's it's Black Panther is the other one next year, right? It was Marvels that was moved out, or was Marvels the one that stayed Marvel. in Black Panther? I can't, no, I got those two confused. Like one of them moved out and the other one stayed in. Mar- I can't Marvels was moved. Marvels mm-hmm. was moved. Okay, so yeah, or Black Panther would be the third one. So you know, we'll we'll have a chance to talk Marvel movies again. Uh, but yeah, for now, uh, everybody say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Uh, so let's start with you, Thomas. Uh, you can find me at Blurred PhD on Twitter and Instagram. All right. And Ashley? You can find me uh, talking about movies over on the Earth Station One podcast and of Legendary Forces. <laughs> mm. I don't mind feeding you a line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fine. <laughs> All right, Eric, uh, say goodbye. Let people know where they can find you. Uh, when my internet decides to work every once in a while, uh, you can easily find me at uh, just very simply at Eric Radcliffe on Twitter. Uh, the Why I Love Comics podcast, which is very easy to find because all that's podcast, the audio edition or Why I Love Comics, the audio edition um, on pretty much all the platforms um, and newcomicday.net where you can find the awesomeness that is New Comic Day. And that is everything. Sorry that my internet started to fail towards the very end of the show tonight. <laughs> no, it's fine. At least it, it didn't fail to the point where it was impossible to, to, you know, talk with you. So, I mean, just little hiccups. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, and, and, and I promise everyone, because I've mentioned it on the show several times, the last few episodes, the Eric interview is coming. <laughs> <laughs> it'll just be a week or two after this one airs i promise but uh but yeah uh thomas and ashley and eric thank you so much for being on the show this week and lee of course also even though you're not here anymore and that's a wrap on eternals this one was a really interesting one because i am really surprised by just how polarized audience reactions are i don't get a lot of I liked it, but not a whole lot. It's mostly, oh god, this movie was such a mistake, it was so bad. Or, oh my god, this movie was so amazing. And so, I'm really curious, what did all of you think about the episode? And, you know, not just about Eternals, although I want to know that, and how you feel about our Marvel coverage in general, but also about the cast. Who do you like? What combinations do you like? You know, all that kind of stuff. I'm really curious to know. I'm really curious to have your feedback. You can let us know in a lot of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website, which is 42cast.com, and leave a message on any of the episodes there. You can also go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also tweet to us at 42cast or go to our Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. As I'm always saying, Apple Podcasts, we get the biggest bang for our buck if you leave a review there because the more reviews we have, the more our show shows up in searches. I would really appreciate that. It would be really helpful for the show in general if we had more people listening. And yeah, I just want to hear the feedback too, because I don't get a whole lot of it. There are a few people who have sent me quite a bit of feedback, but I still want more. You know, I want more from more of the general audience. So please think about doing that. I realize not everybody might have a Apple account, but if you don't, then you can leave a review on Stitcher or you can go and leave on any of the other places. You know, you can just let us know about particular episodes and say, hey, this episode, I thought this, that, the other. Or you can send an email and just talk about the show in general or any of that kind of stuff. So there's lots of different ways you can do it. I also want to mention the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way you can support all the shows on the station. 
helps us keep things running, you know, because there are various costs that get incurred with, you know, paying for the web space and all that kind of stuff. But you can go there, you can look at the different tiers, what you get for the different tiers, different money, you know, amounts. If you have the funds and you want to contribute, we would appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't need to have the episodes yourself to watch with us. I realize it's hard to find a lot of Classic Who in the States, or can get expensive, I should say, because I guess BritBox does have it. But it gets expensive, even if you can find Classic Who in the States. But we explain everything about the episodes, so if you just want to hear our banter, We'll explain the episode as part of our episode, and you can listen to us talk. But if you do follow along, you'll definitely get more out of it. The other show is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also Ashley from this episode, along with Joe and Corey, we're going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. We're talking about Star Wars as a whole. We're talking about Star Wars as an evolving franchise. And we're just looking at everything. The comics, the novels, the of course the movies is the source material. And even the TV projects, like we've reviewed the holiday special recently. So again, if you're interested in Star Wars, if you're interested in our take on it, we'll also tell you how good the different things that we're reading or watching are. But we're also talking about Star Wars as a whole and how the conception of Star Wars and the Star Wars universe evolves. So if that sounds interesting to you, then go check us out. At this point, I'm recording this one about a month before it actually drops, so not too much about my personal life right now because this one's coming right after the last outro that I recorded, which was only a couple of days ago. So, well, I will say thanks, Ben, for doing all this editing for me. So yeah, that's a wrap for this episode. Join us back next week when we'll be talking about Mothra's 60th anniversary. So until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.